This is Andrew McLean, creator of Headlopper and Apocalyptic Girl. You are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. I co-sign on that one. Okay, good. That's all you're getting. What? That's not fair. <laughs> Last episode of the, the year, my friends. Yeah. We just finished watching the, um, the most recent um, Hellboy. Oh, Jesus. Why yeah. would you waste your time? Because uh, she saw a trailer and, and she thought it looked, looked amusing. So, and I was probably going to watch it as background noise sometime during the week. But um, we got home today and, and doing some things. We turned the TV on and, and I was, I it, I don't know. I just, I I prefer the first two, as I'm sure most do. It's not, it, it's not a horrible movie by any stretch but it's it's just it's it's not um i don't even want to say it's not very good i'm sure it's it's it is but it's not it's not what i wanted so i mean in that you know that that's buyer beware but it, it's not if if you're you i don't know how deep into the comics it's pulling material from because i know i know abe I know, I, you know, I know the characters that were in the first two movies based on the comics uh, on on because I haven't read everything in Hellboy. I have a lot of it, but I haven't read it all. And um, you know, Lobster Johnson shows up, but you know, I have no idea who Alice is. I have what? no idea who this cat dude is. Lobster Johnson. No, shows? that's yeah, yeah. But see, Lobster Johnson shows up when they're doing like a recap, as in nod to the first movie with Rasputin, and uh, when during Hellboy's, you know, coming to being called to earth and and you know so th- they're neat little nods because of the characters they show but it's not um i don't know I, I i don't know what if any arc this this is pulling um i don't material think, from i don't think any but okay yeah. no no well no well a big part of the new movie is the wild hunt is it i mean yeah yeah with so, nimway okay um, see this is but, one of those ones where i'm just gonna Judge a book by its cover. I thought the trailer looked like a steaming pile of shit, so I'm not going to waste my time on the movie. Yeah, I, I like David Harper well enough in Stranger yeah. Things, but this was him playing. This was the sheriff from Stranger Things cosplaying as Hellboy. This wasn't. Ah. This wasn't an actor trying to understand the character of Hellboy and playing him. Like, yeah. yeah, I don't really. You know, I guess because when the first two came out, I had read very little Hellboy comics, so I. I don't think I had enough skin in the game to get upset or excited too much one way or the other. But personally speaking, I thought Perlman did a great job playing Hellboy. I mean, I know there are other issues people might have with the films, but I, I liked it well enough as, a, as him as him portraying the character. I, so I don't know. I, 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 yeah, this, this was like trying to be a little funnier and, uh, yeah. you know, but... Uh, yeah, I, I saw it on the flight already. down to Florida. I watched it on the flight down to Florida. Oh, okay. So. Perfect flight movie. Yeah, because you, you you got nothing else to do anyway, so you don't feel like you're uh like you're uh <laughs> wasting. You know, time. If, if it's waste, yeah, if it's terrible, you don't feel like you've wasted time. Right. I get it. 
And you're going to get it because it's time again for another episode of 11 O'Clock Comics, 645 to be exact. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. And I am David A. Price. Yes, you are. And it's so nice to be with you both tonight because I am Thurl Ravenscroft. Ooh. You're not. You're Jason Wood all together for the Book of the Month episode. But before we travel down that road, i got to remind you one last time. The DCBService.com specials for the month are going to evaporate soon. So you best get on the, the internet device and uh, order some stuff because they're going to go away. From IDW, it's Jenica number one, written and drawn by Brom Revel, four ninety nine cover price. Yes, I know I'm a bit of a hypocrite, uh, but your price is $2.49. From Archie, it's Archie meets to be 52s. They're going to Planet Idaho. Um, From Alex Segura, Matt Rosenberg, with art, of course, by the great Dan Parent. The cover price is $3.99, but you can procure this gem for $1.99. I believe it's a one-shot, too. So you don't have to buy anything else. Last but not least... It is Raphael Squared, Raphael Scavone with Raphael Albuquerque on a four-issue miniseries from Dark Horse called Hidden Society. This is number one. Cover price uh, is three ninety-nine. You are super smart and are going to take it home for a dollar ninety-nine. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or orders editions, and you get your books shipped nice and safe and secure by someone who brings them right to your door. Well, the DCB service person doesn't bring it to your door. I made it seem like they get on a plane and bring the book right to your door. They don't do that. Feels like it. I know. They hand it off to someone else who hands it off to someone else, and there's a lot of hands involved. And then they bring the last person in the chain, saunters right up to your door, all happy with your box, and says, Hey, yo, your comics are here, you lucky bastard. DCBService.com. The nice end. Done. Thank you. Yes. How the hell y'all been? Good. Very good. I'm I'm relieved, happy. Uh the the weight has been lifted and now it's all fun. Nice. Yes. The road to New Year's. <laughs> okay. Do you want to look at it that way? But me, it's not having to have people in my house for another year. Oh, nice. <laughs> I don't want to be the, the downer, Debbie Downer, but I love it now. This is fun. And uh, I get the sense neither of you know who Thurl Ravenscroft is. Why? Because we, like we didn't capitalize on it? Yeah, well, I can always tell. Like Sometimes you'll giggle if you know it and like it. Sometimes you'll make a weird sound like you thought it was corny and weren't really feeling it. <laughs> This was more of a, oh, I'm just going to keep going because I don't really know who that is. Um, I will admit it sounds familiar, but I can't pin it down. Mr. Ravenscroft was the gentleman who sang the Grinch song. Oh, okay. Yes. The, the OG Grinch song. Yes, you are a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Nice. Yes. And he's also, the well, he was also the voice of Tony the Tiger. Yeah. They're great. That I knew. But I saw a meme over the the holiday that said basically, maybe the Grinch wouldn't be such an asshole if that guy didn't tell him he was a jerk every two minutes <laughs> in the center. <laughs> well, he did. He, Mr. Mr. Ravenscroft passed away at the ripe old age of 91 back in t- 2005. So, 
Well, kudos to Mr. Ravenscroft. Yeah. That's right. Drink roll call. Do we have, well, let's do the drink roll call, then we can go into any thank yous if we have them. I Uh have, I will say, y'all are going to be very, very happy and not bored with my future drink roll calls because I received so much beer and wine for Christmas Mm -hmm. that I can guarantee you that I will not duplicate a drink roll call for at least three months. No kidding. Yes. Everything will be unique and new. And I'm That's starting awesome. it right. I'm starting it off with I figured our our book of the month tonight requires a little bit of a refined taste. I yeah. would I would think. So yeah. I didn't want to go with an IPA. So I'm going with the grape. Not that IPAs aren't refined, but they're they're a bit more lowbrow than wine, I think. So I went with the grape and I am drinking. Apothic Crush. Mm. Smooth red blend 2016 from California. Apothic makes good stuff. Yeah. I received it on Christmas Eve and I thought, well, what better place to uh, consume it than with y'all? And right it, on. it is delicious. The um, Apothic also makes the, um, the coffee infused wine I gave you. Yeah. I brought to Jason's. Right. So. I knew that. Yep. And yeah. they. Uh, and actually, the minion uh, gifted my wife a bottle of Apothic Inferno, which is the one um, aged in bourbon barrels. Now that uh, I did find a new wine store mm-hmm. that is oddly enough closer to my home than the one I normally go to, and this one has tons of bourbon barrel aged wine. So it's very, it's very on trend. Yes, after yeah. my my three yeah. months uh, have expired. And ooh, and I need some stuff to uh, consume. I'm gonna go to that one. That's nice. Store. Yeah. Okay. What you drinking, Dap? Uh, I am finishing off. Um, this is for you, Vince. Finishing off some Knob Creek Rye, and I will be chasing that with a little bit of the Buffalo Trace Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey before I just finish the night off with. Um, some seltzer water. It's it's a good thing when you can polish off the knob. I do. It's true. Yeah, I, you know, it's not being a slob. Slobbing the knob is okay, but right. You polish there, there's it. A, there, mm. There's a mouthful of, of knob left here, so I'm going to enjoy it. Just a mouthful. It's a hearty mouthful, though, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was a full glass, almost a full glass. There's a nice, nice size cube in there. Good mouthfeel. So. And yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, what are you drinking? Well, I was uh, gifted some beers on the birthday so i'm gonna enjoy those with y'all tonight uh first off already open and and being enjoyed is uh from cigar city brewing which is a tampa brewer uh cubano style espresso brown ale and then when i've done that i'm gonna open up this cape may brewing king porter stump chocolate porter Mm mm-hmm yeah. So, and we've got five point five percent alcohol by volume on this Cubano, and then we move up to the seven point four percent because ain't got to work tomorrow. So wait, and, wait, uh, wait a minute. Wait, wait. So the holiday season has relaxed the project. No fun. Yes. No, yes. No, nice. See, that's see. Yes. Now I don't, I don't know if it's the holiday season because 
Well, maybe it is because um, there was uh, the um, Jason's trivia advent video um, had him sipping on a very yes, large all the hot right for the hot the hot December when the holiday parties and all that start it it would be hard to not enjoy a few cocktails here and there. So well, good, good to hear. So I'm glad I'm having a couple beers tonight with y'all. I'll probably have some uh, drinks this weekend because we're going to a wedding. And then New Year's comes along, and it's back to uh, no fun. At least until June. Well, we, and, we well, of course, yeah. Let's enjoy him now while we have him, Dap. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, yep, one hundred percent. Hunter, starting. Um, yeah, it's it's it has been a, a a fun month more or less, and then uh, tomorrow, well, by the time we finish tonight, probably um, it will be. My anniversary, so um, facts, facts there will indeed. be there will be some some drinkage tomorrow and and uh, and all weekend. And I think I will get through. Um, and I don't mean to make this sound like a chore. I just I haven't been. I purposely haven't sat down to have a nice beer. So so all of the um, the beers from Gigantic that uh, that Darren has sent recently will um, will be consumed over the next few days. Yes. Speaking Sweet. of that. It is the season to have some thank yous. Ah, uh, yes. You, you you led us off there. We I think we all collectively owe a big thank you uh, for like the fourth time this year. I don't know. I feel like it's the fourth yeah. time this year. Yeah. Uh, for Mr. Helsel, who sent us all uh, more beer. This time, I don't know if he did the same for y'all. I got the I got a, another uh, Hellboy bottle. but I The got last a, of the Hellboy bottles. Okay. And, but then I got another bottle of something else instead of the Hellboy. And then yes. I got a T-shirt. Yep. Yep. Yes. Very cool. Um, I also owe a thanks to Mr. David Milburn and Stephen Water because David was the person assigned to give me gifts for our EOC gift exchange. And for those curious as to the specifics of that awesome loot crate, I did a video of said uh, unboxing. So tip my cap to you, David, for a job well done. It's I always think it's exceedingly hard to be given one of us in that gift exchange, right? Because uh, we read a lot. We don't have a lot of book as it is. But he found a way to find a bunch of cool-looking stuff that I did not yet own or read. So that is quite an accomplishment. Um, two more. Uh, two more. I have a, a thank you to uh, p- patron Mr. Jeffrey Carter who sent me – a book that he thought would be right up my alley based on some of uh, my preferences. I think most notably my enjoyment of Tilly Walden's work. And that is a book called honor girl, uh, which won an LA times book prize, I think last year or the year before. Uh, And it's by, it's it's written and drawn by Maggie thrash. It's autobiographical uh, about her time um, at a summer camp where I believe she comes to terms with the fact that she is a lesbian, but uh, I haven't read the book yet, but it looks excellent. It definitely seems in my, uh, in my wheelhouse. So thank you for that. And then uh, last, but certainly not least another friend and patron, Mr. John O'Neill sent me after watching the video where I went through my, uh, the top fives. And I mentioned my top five GI Joe characters. He saw fit to track down and mail me an awesome, three and three quarters inch of my favorite Cobra character, which of course is the Cobra Saboteur, AKA Firefly. Nice. So, 
So awesome's all around. And then just uh, before you all do your thank yous, two shout outs. One, Dap kind of stole my thunder. I was going to shout out because as you all listen to this, it is he and the lovely Renee Price's uh, anniversary. Oh. So cheers to y'all. And then uh, final shout out. I think uh, you all would echo me here. Uh, one of the uh, coolest twinsies in the world, Mr. Jason Ford, finally stepped up to the plate and uh, got engaged to his lovely fiance. So cheers to you as well, Jason, and your fiance. Nice. nice. What you got, Vince? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> oh, you blew your wad last week with Darren. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Mr. Last Carter. Week, Sunday. Yeah, yes, but I, I would like yes, to... Yes, because you opened Jeff's... Right. Oh, yeah, I don't... No form, formalities for I know, the holiday I season. Uh, I would like to thank everyone that sent a Christmas card, though. I got yes, I got a stack of them over there. and yeah. yeah, it's very nice of you to do that. Even though y'all know I don't reciprocate because I don't, I don't do holiday stuff. Uh, it was very nice to get uh, to receive all those Christmas cards. And, and, and bless y'all for doing that. I was, I was totally... Um... Not on the ball this year with the uh, with the cards and and I think I I now have a few months to start digging them out. I don't know if they're in the storage unit. I don't know if they're somewhere in this place, but um, I will do my damnedest to get some cards out um, next year. But speaking of cards, yeah, I there was one I mentioned last time um, that uh, flip it gave me the okay to open up um, something he sent, and um, even though my wife shot me a look with it. That's not Christmas. It's not Christmas. So, um, I waited <laughs> to open everything else, including Jeff Carter's beautiful gift. First of all, he, um, he, he, uh, he went to town on the envelope that the card came in. And, um, it's the familiar looking Grendel mask with the eyes and the nose, but he worked it so that the eyes, the nose and the nose, um, Spell out the AP. Oh, and nice. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, but he uh, he sent me a book by Matthew W. Pyle called Strange Planet. And as soon as I saw it, I smiled because there are times where whenever the uh, Strange Planet strips make their way on my Reddit feed, I'm always amused by them. So so now to have a nice little hardcover collection of um, of these four panel strips um Made my day. This this was absolutely fantastic. Um, we of course Darren with the with the gigantic beers, uh, and I have to give massive massive props to um, recent guest uh, and and solid dude and and friend, personal friend of ours and a fan of the show, um, Austin Algie, who um, who my search is over. I now no longer have to worry about not finding it at a convention and then walking past it yet again, because someone else will have it. I now own the previous exclusive, a bloody Lobo Funko pop. Look at that. Uh, and, I, and I would like to thank Mr. Hassan for saving Jason and myself. Yes. A boatload of time. Whatever. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to have <laughs> the vinyl dude. I'm going to have the vinyl dude. Give me shit. Who forever stares at something and then walks Fast away. Thank you. Hassan. You're, you're a nice bad. volley going back. Yeah. Hey, way, I think. You know? yeah. So, uh, he also, um, sent me these really cool uh spider-man um pins which all uh, mostly have hashtags and, and are um are are of a humorous bent but the um the coup de resistance is this completely blows me away um 
and it really is in the running as far as the the best thing I got um, this Christmas uh, from Icon Heroes. It is the collectible deluxe statue with uh, additional head and accessories of Vigilante. Ooh, nice. It is a I I just I've been staring at the box, man, and I have to put this bookcase together so I have a place for for these statues. But this was an absolute. I mean, because I, I remember when he posted it when he got it a couple months ago, and I didn't know it was coming, and and I mean I didn't know they were making it, and my jaw hit the floor, and and it it was just like I was blown away by it. I mean, I, I love the character design of of Vigilante, and for them to make a statue of all the DC characters of that character. Um, was like I got. I, I figured we get a vibe statue before we get a vigilante statue, and <laughs> and for uh, so for this to happen, and and and, and so I was living vicariously through through Hassan for you know, owning it, but to to come home and find the box and and open it, I was just I blown away is uh, is an understatement. So thank you Man, so very folks much. Folks treat us too right. They certainly crazy. do. Crazy do. Yep. And uh, we're going to hopefully treat you a little right, because this is a Book of the Month episode. And everybody knows they can get, uh, they can travel into uncharted waters, let's just say. Uh, appropriately enough, this time around, we took a deep dive into Alone by Christophe Chaboute from Gallery 13 Comics slash Simon & Schuster. And yes. this was a self-imposed book of the month. Nobody voted on this. We were we were gifted uh, a, a couple of Chabouté books, and so Jason, being the uh, the biggest fan of the man among us, said, "Hey, let's go out with a one we pick, and we'll do some Chabouté." And he he chose alone, and so we uh, we we dove in, and now you're going to hear about it. Yes, and it was gifted to us by Joao Antunis. Yeah, yes. I think I finally got that right. It took like seven tries, but that's... Yeah, well, <laughs> practice I'm makes keep perfect. Sending them books until they get it right. Seriously, yeah. say it wrong. Say it wrong again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think normally I say Joao Antunes, but I think the in Portuguese it's Antunis. Like it doesn't, you don't roll the n. And 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 Joao, I'm sure is listening. So if you are, tell me if I finally got it right, my friend. Right. Well, by the way, you're the man for sending us this and Park Bench. Yes. Yeah. You're the biggest fan, Jason. So why don't you encapsulate what's going on here? Yeah, right on. Okay. So, um, and, and I would say when you say I'm the biggest fan, it's, you're mainly saying that because he's read uh, Moby Dick because he also did Moby Dick and, and it, it was, I gushed about it because of my love for Moby Dick. Yes. But, uh, but I, I can't say that, uh, having read one of his works, it was like, you know, like, I, I guess by default, that made me his biggest fan but, <laughs> of, of the three of us. Uh, but that being said, this is a book that uh, was, as with uh, all of his works, originally published in French and um, was finally brought over here. It is a fairly simple premise. Uh, essentially, there is a gentleman who has been born and raised on a small lighthouse island where he lived with his parents who ran the lighthouse. They have subsequently passed away. And 15 years ago when the father knew he was going to pass away, he implored 
a uh, cargo boat driver, a ship a captain of a ship, paid him a lot of money, basically his life savings, and begged him to just continue for the rest of the time he could provide supplies for his son, who was going to remain on this island by himself. And so he has become to be known by the captain and other locals as alone. That's what they call him. Um, it's rumored that he is quite physically deformed, and that is why his parents never wanted him to be brought off the island for fear of his inability to adapt and being, uh, being you know, um, tortured or, or, or made fun of or persecuted. Um, and so goes the mystery, and we're, we're brought into that world as the captain is pulling ashore to drop off the crates of supplies. He's got a new deckhand, and the new deckhand is uh, wondering what the hell's going on, and that's where we get the narrative where he explains why he's doing this, and they have a little back and forth, and the deckhand is more than a bit curious as to whether this is all even true because he had heard that it was an automated lighthouse and no one lived there. Uh, but we quickly find out uh, – well, I shouldn't say quickly. It takes almost 80 pages before we see Alone. But he is, in fact, real. He does exist. And, yes, he is a roughly 50-year-old man who's quite physically deformed, uh, evocative of, say, Quasimodo from no- no- Notre Dame or or, um, or Elephant, you know, man. El- Elephant Man. Yeah, he's got that kind of physical deformity in his face and, uh, and whatnot. Um, and it's a look at – this guy's life, which is basically it's himself in 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 solitary confinement on this lighthouse with some some curios, some treasures that he has acquired over the years. Uh, it seems like his lone form of exposure to the outside world, aside from the the ship dropping off packages for him, is uh, a dictionary and a fish, a goldfish, and every night uh, alone opens up the dictionary and basically plays dictionary roulette for all of you nerds out there who used to study for the SATs back in the day. You know what I'm talking about. And he would uh, open up a page, point to a definition, and then close his eyes and imagine what that would be like. And Chabute brings us into Alone's mind as he tries to envision what all of these different words are in, in reality. And, uh, you know, considering the fact that he has had almost no exposure to the outside world, needless to say, uh, many of the the things that he, many of the ways he envisioned things aren't uh, aren't accurate. They, they are they range from being like almost frighteningly like just a little bit off, like where you're like, wow, I didn't even know it was that that kind of thing. Um, which we'll get to if we have any criticisms. That's probably my one criticism is that is that I don't. I don't think someone that literally never left that small island and hadn't have exposure to like TV or anything would have even gotten that close with some of his imaginings. But but nevertheless, we see his imaginings and um and that's his life until the deckhand who is continuously curious decides to uh, break the prime directive for all you Star Trek fans. That's for you, Dap. Thanks. And uh, and fucks with the uh, with the with the with the native environment by. Sending a note to Alone and asking him if there's anything else he needs, which then prompts Alone to think on it and request something, and then uh, things happen from there, and and his world is forever changed. But uh, but that's that's really the premise of the book. I mean, you know, Vince, I should say uh, we were talking off air, and Vince mentioned something about it being like a 20 minute read, and I took offense because it's almost 400 pages. But then I had to quickly hit him back and be like, now nah, you were right. Cause it took me 27 minutes to read this book. 
um, you know, there are not a lot of words and, and a lot of the pages are beautifully drawn, but, but, but just sequential, you know, like as Vince mentioned, yeah, like, like there's, you know, three, three, four pages straight of just a seagull flying around. Um, but I, I loved it. I, I thought it was great. Uh, I, I think that, um, that, that the book is, is meant to convey the sense of, of, of singularity and aloneness. I, I, I thought it was very creative on a lot of levels in the sense that it doesn't play to, I thought the obvious, uh, like the way the book could have gone or the ending or, or the, 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 I think the easy characterizations of him in certain instances where he, where that he could have taken the easy way out or the stereotypical way out. I think he didn't do, uh, I think all of the people that are in the book and there aren't that many, um, are not pure archetypes. I think he goes out of his way to show, the complexity of the human condition, like each person you think you know who they are. And then he gives us just enough to make you realize they're not exactly that. Just kind of reminding us that everybody is a, that, that very few people are just a a thing, right? You're not like, nobody's just an asshole and nobody's, you know, people, we're all rich tapestries capable of, of niceties and being mean and all of that all rolled into one. So uh, I loved it. I, I think, as I said, with Moby Dick, I think Shibute as a illustrator is fantastic, very, very realistic in his approach. Um, but relatively minimal line and there's not a ton of ink on the page. Um, and I think, uh, he's got a a brevity to his, uh, approach, but I think it definitely hits the mark. Um, and another compliment I'll give it is that, uh, and I don't know how to say this without sounding weird, but like, I'm generally not a fan of like physical deformity stories. Like even with like, I know people think of me as a Deadpool fan, but I hate, when they show Deadpool without his mask, like it, it kind of freaks me out. So I, I, the fact that I enjoyed this book as much as I did in spite of how physically deformed, uh, alone is, is, is also a testament to, I think a job well done because, um, in lesser hands, I could have easily turned me off to this book completely. So, but, uh, I'm curious to hear what you guys thought. Cause you all knew I would love it. I had a feeling because the, uh, of the setting it's, it's, it's very, nautical it's sea-based and you love anything pertaining to the sea (laughs) so i i figured it would be a home run with you but there was one sequence that destroyed me in this book Mm -hmm. um alone has a goldfish in a bowl (laughs) and and he has such (laughs) great concern for the goldfish that he he talks to the goldfish the uh, Chabote makes it seem like the goldfish at times can even understand him because um, he'll have the fish's head arced at a, at a certain particular degree that'll make it seem like the fish is like, what? You know, like just tr- just hinged, <laughs> hinged on Alone's words. And so they have a relationship, this man and goldfish. And if you take into account the setting, this lighthouse, it's the only other living thing in the lighthouse with this deformed man. And so um, alone will frequently go down to the dock and fish. And he catches one, brings it up, and he's, he cooks it, and he's about to, to cut into it, and the fish is looking <laughs> at him. And alone looks at the fish, and the fish looks back, and he takes the dictionary and positions it around the goldfish bowl so the fish cannot see him consume his brethren. And then later in the story, and this is the, the, the sequence that completely just knocked me on my ass, 
alone takes the goldfish and dumps him into the sea and says, I don't understand why you have to be confined like me. Yeah. Go out, but, see the right. world, explore, live your life to the best as you can. I wish you great luck. Get out of here. You don't have to be like me. And I'm like, oh, my God. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> I know. I know. He doesn't I, realize, right? He doesn't know that he's killing him. Right. But contrary yeah. to popular belief, I do have a heart. And this ultimate sacrifice by this man who has nobody else. I mean, if anything, the fish was a sounding board just to, 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 com, you know, communicate with. Now, so now he has no one, and he did it out of concern for the fish. But unbeknownst to the man, he was, he was, uh, he was killing the fish because he would either be food or. Um, oh, he's a freshwater fish. Yes, <laughs> yeah. he was. Yeah, you know, but so uh, poor thing. But. Um, uh, there are two tracks um, in my mind for this story. The objective track says gorgeous drawing, uh, a deep, beautiful story. It's a well-made graphic novel. It's, it won honors at Angoulême. Yes. For the year it was it was published, it, by all accounts, it is a superbly crafted book. Which a butt coming on? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, yes, which I enjoyed from a, an objective viewpoint. Uh, how could you not look at Chabouté's drawing and not walk away from it thinking, "Man, this man can render. He can draw. He loves his inky blacks. He has a command of." Of earth and sea, uh, uh, whether fish or fowl. He, the, the seagulls are beautifully rendered. The boat is breathtaking. Uh, the lighthouse is, is gorgeous in its isolation. I mean, the man has it locked down with shadows. Every mark he makes is just beautiful. The man is, is a virtuoso with, with the brush. And so I got to give him props for that. Subjectively, I think the book is far too drawn out uh, where you'll have 10 pages of seagulls flying around the lighthouse and then you'll have 10 pages of whatever alone, whatever word alone highlights with his finger, whether it be uh, a skirmish between two armies, it'll go on for like five, six pages or... Um, uh, what was it? A cello? No, the, um, an oboe. An oboe, uh, which he got wrong. But yes. then you have um, and a French horn musicians playing the instrument for like five pages, and it's just it, the book is over. It's like close to four hundred pages, correct? Three sixty-eight. Yeah, a lot of it could have been reined in. He could have been a bit more. Um. Judicious with his pacing, I think. Uh, there are some scenes that just, they're so extended. And, and you could say the same thing with a, 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 a lesser amount of images than you, he belabors the point a lot. And I don't think that's a flaw. I just think the extended nature of the, 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 uh, the sequences speak to the time. 
that this character is enduring alone. Yeah, you just yeah, just got to my retort, which is that I, I think it, it is definitely by design because yeah. he, if you were this this person who doesn't have any outside experiences, uh, I mean, this is as we talked about his nightly ritual, so it would it would be something where this one word would take him into a, a, a you know a quite a lengthy period of imagination, mm-hmm. seemingly to either pass the time and or until he falls asleep. So I would think there'd be some uh, some extendedness to it, but but I mean, listen, but I but I understand what you're saying. I mean, I I, I like I definitely don't like find the criticism to be uh, misplaced. I, I would also say though that it does sound a little odd to say that it's um, like drawn out in places when we just established it's a 370 page book that we all read in about a half hour. Right, but that that does a disservice to. The illustrator. If yes. if you gave every image its due, this would be a four hour book. Which is why I reacted to you when I did having prior to reading it because I was right. like, dude, that's insulting. Like it's a four hundred page graphic novel. I took it twenty minutes. You're doing something wrong. And then I read it and I was like, well, actually, he's not wrong because I mean, and that's, yeah, yeah. as if there was a wrong way to eat an Oreo. I, I, I you I know, know, I, I get it. Listen, but, I've already said I was wrong. You don't have to. But, rub but it. no, you this don't. Is, I, number one, I'm not rubbing it in, and number two, you never ever have to tell me you were wrong. That that's not. It's not necessary. Well, if if I think I've. I've mistakenly criticized a viewpoint. I will. I mean, uh, if, I, if I legitimately think your viewpoint is look, you know, I, I, I think the it, three of us are, are so close that apologies are never ever necessary. Okay, fair enough. This has. I, I think this was a a fitting book, especially the partly because of a common theme. In the show recently is is um, harking back to McLeod's understanding comics and and you know yeah and, and we've we've also mentioned you know if, if it takes you five minutes ten minutes to read a, a book you spent you know four bucks on and you know whether it's it's text heavy like something by by bendis or claremont or if it's just you know a lot of splash pages you know it, you should still take the time to take those those pages and those words in and i i think that you know, yes, this this is a. I guess you could say it's it is a quick read, but it it shouldn't be. Yeah, you your your eyes can kind of just you know. Okay, here's another stairwell going down the lighthouse. Here he is going out with his fishing rod again, and and you know, and it's. But you have it. There's it's it's obviously it's absolutely deliberate, and, and yeah, there are things. I mean, we may not. When it comes to Alone's realizing of of um, or thinking out definitions, that's one thing. But if if we're just seeing, you know, the the boat taking three pages to get up to the lighthouse, or or the seagulls flying around for five pages, I mean, some of that I can see. You know, we've already seen that before. We know it's going to take a while to get to the lighthouse by boat. So we don't really, we may not need all those pages, but it, when it comes to him thinking about, you know, hailing tennis balls or, 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 or a battle or a, a fairy or deformity, you know, anything like that or a monster, it, the, then I could see, um, I could see why they would go on for pages and pages. And, and yes, you, it, the book is absolutely designed to, to get you to slow down and, and take 
each page and, and each panel in. So I don't I, I I definitely get where you're coming from, Vince. I don't agree with it a hundred percent. Well, there's a sameness yes. to the drawings. Like, yes, the the seagulls are beautifully rendered. Yes. And then there's another beautifully rendered panel of seagulls, followed mm-hmm. by another, followed by another. So I mean make a, a beautiful statement that gets diminished with through mm-hmm. the rep- repetition. But that doesn't mean that the ninth seagull drawing in the chain is any way inferior to the first seagull drawing in the chain. It's just right. like when you hear someone, and I'm guilty of this myself, say the same thing four different times, mm-hmm. it's, you kind of tune it out. After yeah, a while. no, I, so I, one of the things I wanted to talk about specifically with this, because I thought this would, as the book of the month goes, again, a 400 page pager, it, it's, it, this isn't going to be something we spend two and a half hours on because it's a relatively simplistic narrative. It's, it's almost like a, a one person play, right? I mean, there's what, five characters in total in the book? Yeah. Yeah. Um, six if you count the goldfish, which I think is a character, but <laughs> yeah, no, I'm saying, but I mean, but there's five humans that are in the book even yeah. in total. Um, I think the lighthouse is say, a character too. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, but what I was going to say is that I wanted to touch base with you all. And I kind of uh, uh, touched on this uh, a bit earlier in describing the book, the things he imagines. So he reads the, 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 the dictionary and then he imagines these scenes that we've talked about. Uh, I vacillated between whether they were just right for the book and for the tone or not creative and weird enough because like in the hands of other artists, many of which we dig, I think those scenes might've been quite a bit more Ill, Ill, uh, imaginative, you know, even surrealist visions. Right. I mean, you put this in the, in the hands of like a Lorena Alvarez, like from nightlights and where, or, you know, where she's taking you into this dream world and, and it's just this explosion of, of crazy you know, imagining or, or, you know, or Drouillet, right? Like imagine Drouillet doing this, but you know what I mean? Like, so, so I, I kind of was thinking because I think, and I know that you all are the same, so much of, of, of my appeal to this medium is the art. Um, I, I, I did like, I did go back and forth to whether or not this, the way he decided to have him envision the, imagine these words was, was just right or not because I probably like lean towards having wished he was because the conceit is that he doesn't quite get things right. Right. Like he, he reads about podiatrist mm-hmm. and he pictures this ornate thing of his dad doing all these crazy, almost steampunk esque contraptions of, of, of feet and measuring them and all these things. And it's nothing at all what podiatrists do. And then, uh, as we said, he, he, he reads about an oboe and he pictures basically a violin with these gigantic Swiss cheese holes and these keys in it. And so he doesn't quite get it right, but it's still like pretty well grounded in reality. Like he still would have to have known what violins look like and that, uh, and that, uh, uh you hold a violin up to your chin and that, and that, uh, uh, a group of people in an orchestra, sit together and perform or you'd have to know that a podiat- that a doctor inspects you to make sure you're okay. So there are all these aspects to it that I kept thinking like, would he really even know what that's like? Like, and I tried to think about like what it would be if you were without a sense, right? I mean, a person who has hearing and then goes deaf later in life has a far different experience being deaf than someone who's born without the ability to hear. Same thing with sight, right? If you go blind right. over time, your ability to draw on the 
reality around you is a far different thing than if you literally have no concept of what anything looks like. And I just kept wondering if 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 um, if Chibute really played fair with what this kid could have possibly known about the outside world. I think I think he did because, as the captain tells his first mate, his father died when alone was 35. Right. No, you're right. Sure. So mm-hmm. since, since mom died first, you know, this, the, the dictionary is, is almost beyond repair. It's, it's been beat up. It's taped together. Um, and I don't know, perhaps it was a ritual that he and his dad would do. And, and if he had a question about a word, is his dad would right. maybe explain it. So right. there are some things because, you know, yeah, he, he may not know, um, what an oboe actually is, but if, if he is going to, you know, he, he has the memory of a violin to draw on and, you know, why, why are they, why are they looking like Roman gladiators when he thinks of a battle and not world war two soldiers, things like that. So I right, have to right, think right. that, um, there are some things he's, he's recalling on memories when he did have contact with someone who could maybe, maybe his dad did bring books home from the library because he, his True. dad was, I'm sure did leave the, the, the lighthouse. At the oh yeah. Times. Yeah. So right, right, yeah. I'm with Jason on this one. All well, right, because right, the visual it would have been visually more interesting to see him just have totally crazy yeah. ideas. Of, yeah, I, I think Chabute undersells the uh, the uh, dictionary uh, inspection because if to me, if it's not in the story, it doesn't exist. His father could have right. taught him things, or his mother, but it's not in the story, and I don't, I don't see a bookcase. Anywhere right, no. right. in the in the lighthouse, so his exposure to anything other than the dictionary is in question. You could imagine it, and it could very well have been true as pertaining to this character, but we you'll never know. So when he puts his finger on mushroom, and it says a fast growing fungus lacking chlorophyll and incapable of photosynthesis, some species are parasites to animals and man. And then we get a sequence where there's people being infested with mushrooms and they have the, the, the traditional mushroom cap. There's no right. way he would know right. based that on that. That is the most egregious of them all. Yeah. yeah, there's no way he would know based on that definition that a mushroom has a very stylized shaped cap followed by a stalk. And you know what spores and care packages there are mushrooms. That's what I'm saying. Like he he knows how to he knows how to cook. He knows how to take care of himself. He knows how to how to maintain things in the lighthouse. You're telling me that there's never been any plumbing plumbing problems or it's it's weird for me to say that like like as if he was just born here and from age eight he's he survived this way looking like Clint Howard. It's not sure. It's it's, but it's so it's not explicit in the story that that yeah. had happened. So you're, you're, you can, you guys are hitting on the yin and the yang of my internal dilemma here, which yeah. is that I, I think you could, you, and I think ultimately it probably doesn't matter. Right. I mean, you, you, as we were talking about with an entirely different uh, thing, the star Wars movie, since now we're having a little dialogue about it. You're like with any piece of art, your interpretation of the narrative or the experience is entirely your own. Uh, Chabute, if he wanted us to, to have a definitive answer there, he would have shown a bookcase or he would have explained that he was uh, tutored by his dad from libraries or, or you write, I mean, or had a TV, but it broke 10 years. Right? So, so, yeah. so, so it's totally reasonable to go either way, which is why I didn't by no means uh, uh, made me not love the book 
but I think if if in a perfect world I were the omnipotent book editor, I would have probably said to Chabote, like, why don't you challenge this a little bit more? Why don't you make these images more avant-garde and 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 and, and more thought-provoking? Because how would this kid really even know what half this stuff is? Yeah. So um, uh, another sequence that I found particularly uh, interesting was when Kevin, the asshole boyfriend, drops his <laughs> girlfriend off at the lighthouse and and sails away, apparently leaving her there. And she's in a T-shirt and uh, bikini bottoms. And Alone is looking at her like, holy crap, I'm missing a lot here. And he's staring at her legs and at her, at her just her, her, the femaleness of her. And I thought, man, dude's got to get out and, 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 and live because there's so much of the world that has been not robbed from him but but um there's so much that he hasn't experienced even if he doesn't find an other somewhere else at least he can be around people and smell and hear (laughs) and and just semi-integrate because you know the fact that he's deformed is gonna scare a lot of people it's gonna turn a lot of people away so not only has he been sequestered for the majority of his life, now when he does become integrated supposedly into society, he's going to have a large portion of the people he meets turn away from him just by the very fact that he's deformed. So, I mean, the guy has it work. He, there's stuff working on him from all angles. Yeah. Which is sad. Uh- I'm really glad you brought up that scene because that's we mentioned there were five people in the book. There's the there's the captain, the deckhand, there's alone, and then as you said, there's Kevin and his girlfriend. And I I think that scene is where the book soars because that scene and the scene where the captain and the deckhand are having the discussion um, after he's been working with him for a while about the fact that he's next con and that he yells his captain yells too much. I think those are illustrations of where Chabute really gets the human condition, and I think are what round this book out from just being a, a study of this strange guy that never had outside experiences. Because in that scene you're talking about, to your point, this guy, Kevin is on a boat, drops his girlfriend off, basically kicks her, you know, the old, the old like, you know, pulling over on the side of the roads and get out. Um, even more stark by the fact he's leaving her on a, a tiny Island <laughs> and she's nonplussed about it. Like she's like, really? But she's not like, are you kidding me? Like, what am I supposed to do? Blah, blah, blah. And there was a moment when I thought, Oh no, because I thought, Okay, she's she's being drawn provocatively. She's portrayed as this vapid, blonde, cute girl. She's got a tabloid she's reading. Oh no, he's gonna show either he's either going to show alone, like overcome with lust and acting inappropriately, or he's going to be curious and, and come out to see her and she's gonna freak out about what a freak he is and yell at him and scream and, and you know, try and get off the island. And I thought that's just so on the nose. Ah, uh, I hate that. And and he didn't do that. He used restraint, right? Yeah. I mean, yes, they, as you said, he he has a lone see see her, and you can imagine that. Sure, he's overcome by that mammalian instinct of what is this thing that I'm I'm not aware of. And he would know what a woman's like because he did have his mother, but but sure, but he obviously wasn't sexual at the time. But they don't give you that, right? Like like they totally limit that to the fact that the only experience he gets of that really is that Kevin comes back for his girlfriend. And she leaves her tabloid. And so he reads these headlines, these salacious tabloid headlines, which are just so far afield of anything he would have come 
come to know from the dictionary, which is entirely just factual, right? Just factual definitions with no emotion or narrative. And um, I really love that. And then I, I as I said, I, I think that plus the scene where this deckhand, uh, the captain, when we first meet the captain of the deckhand, the captain is lambasting the deckhand about not doing his job right and that he's the captain. You need to listen to me and just do what I say. And then we're reintroduced to them here and it's kind of the same setting and the deckhand's basically like, dude, like get off my dick, you know, like you're, why are you always yelling? Like I'm, and the, and the captain is overcome at the idea that the deckhand thinks he yells all the time, even though every moment we've seen of the captain, all he's doing is yelling. Right. And he is this gruff guy. And, and then the deckhand says, well, I'm an ex-con and the captain's basically like, I don't give a shit. Like, like all I care about is that you've been working hard. And you're good at your job, and uh, and you know basically I give you your propers, and like let's just go about our business. And you can see there's this little moment where the deckhand looking away from the captain has a little smile on his face, like oh he's not a total dickhead. And the captain feels you know ameliorated by the fact that he he come to, came to terms with the fact like oh this guy thinks I'm a total asshole, like I'm not, like I like him, and I think he's a good worker. And I just thought again like there was an example of Chubutier reminding us like, these aren't stereotypes, these aren't tropes, these are real people in his world and they have a range of emotions and just, I thought huge props for that. Just reminding us that people are complex. They're not just, you know, vessels to forward a narrative. And I really appreciate that because I think in a lot of stories, whether it be TV or film or other comics, uh, characters become caricatures. They become vessels for an emotion or for a plot. And that is not at all what these were. And I really, cause he could have, he could have in both of those cases, just hammered something home and been very cliche and on the nose and he chose not to. And I think that's very delicate. And I, I think the strength of the book. Yeah, I, I agree with you. When the girlfriend was dumped on the Island, uh, there was a second that I thought, Oh, we're going to get a King Kong Fay Ray thing. Correct. Exactly. And to Chabote's, um credit, it, it, it evaporated almost instantly. I thought, no, the, the alone has been developed very well to this point it it would seem very much out of character for him to do that and and he didn't so um props to to Chabute for not not going down that road i personally would have gone down that road yes uh, my alone would have been a very very different story well, i right, mean but if you're i mean right if you're writing a horror book or something I mean, that's sure the thing. sure yeah. now we haven't i mean this book of the month so spoilers shouldn't we shouldn't need to give a spoiler warning but um we we alluded that where things go go a different way, and Vince touched a bit when he lets the the fish free. Uh, when the deckhand sneaks a note into one of the packages and he says, "Is there anything else that you need that we can get you?" and Alone writes back, uh, "I'd love some images of the outside world." And so next delivery or at some future delivery, the next one we see them make, there is an envelope full of pictures from all over the world, and Alone goes through them one by one. He ends up mounting them to his walls and transfixing on them. And he come and that, that leads him to the decision to both set his fish free, AKA kill the poor thing. Cause he doesn't know better. Uh, and then when the boat captain is arriving to give his next package at some point in the future, uh, alone is standing on the dock with a suitcase in hand saying okay I'm, I'm you know presuming obviously like i want to come off the come off the, the island and right uh, and there's there, so there's that i'd love to hear your reactions about ending the book the way but then the other thing again i think about where nuance is there's a moment after he lets the fish go where there's a scene 
where we see a bunch of rope. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. obviously, we're, there's a moment where you're thinking, oh, no, he's come to realize that he's got this solitary life of imprisonment, which is why he set his fish free. And for him, the way he's going to set himself free is to end his life. And I thought that's – and I again, I, just like with the girl, I thought, oh, no, don't – don't have him kill himself because throughout the book, I mean, it's a relatively hopeful book. I mean, you have this strange existence of this of this dude who's been isolated and is deformed, and yet he he seems reasonably happy in his own little world. He's he's never agitated. He he seems to he doesn't have um, like his visions of of the stuff he imagines dictionary are pleasant, and he's he's has a good demeanor. And then I thought, don't like. Don't kill him. Like that's such a nihilistic way to end this this dude's existence. And and in to his credit, he gives us that little hint where you think, oh no, and then you turn the page and it's rope that he uses to tie together his old suitcase so that he can go out to the dock and leave. And I and I and again I'm like, oh phew. It was like a sigh of relief. Like, okay, phew. okay, he didn't he didn't he didn't take it in the wrong direction. Um but I'm curious if you all had any strong thoughts about deciding to give him effectively a, an ending I would have been fine if the book just 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 ended if it just was him on the boat like never like we never really saw another part of of his journey but but Chabote decided to give us a little bit more of a of a here's what happens next another another adventure uh type of an ending so I'm curious what you guys thought of that I thought it was a very brave ending um and an ignorant ending uh, a mixture of bravery and ignorance because he mm-hmm. doesn't know he, he the only thing of the world that he has experienced is this dictionary and a bunch of photos and he throws caution to the wind and he thinks okay i'm gonna go see this that's extremely brave he does not know what's out there other than what he's seen on the flip side it's incredibly ignorant because he doesn't know the way people treat right those with deformities so it, it's it's both hopeful in the fact that yeah he's taken command and he and he's like this is it it's over I'm I'm getting off this island I'm gonna go see stuff I don't have much time left well he's fifty so yeah he's, whatever um, I don't have a whole lot of time left I'm gonna you know get mine on the other hand he has no conception of the way people are gonna treat him. Right. So it, I thought the ending was was very very fitting. Um, I didn't expect for a second for him to kill himself because he's wide eyed and hopeful the entire mm-hmm. book. He they never show him you know with his hand on his chin or woe is me. He never thinks that his predicament has been heaped upon him. He only thinks of it as this the way things are. You know yeah. I, I I didn't yeah. I didn't do anything to deserve this. I, I didn't invoke the wrath of the gods to get into this predicament. This is just the, the way it is. This is the status quo. So um, I am, and I want to be something else. And, and and I know these guys come every so often, and they drop me off stuff. Why? I don't know, but they do. So next time they come, I'm going to have my little suitcase, and guess what? They're taking something back to the to the dock with them. And that's that's a great ending. It says that to me, it says that you can change your life. You can make that leap mm-hmm. into the unknown is what's, what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, nothing is set in stone. If you have a, a predicament that has been foisted upon you by whatever, take the means and change it. Go do something else with your life. I mean, 
we looking in on this would think, oh my God, this guy's life is hopeless. There's uh, he's he's in this basically one room building with a beautifully designed uh, spiral staircase, which I would have liked to see a lot more of, but that's okay. Um, and 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 he's not pissed off. He's not mad at the world. He's not you know pulling fish in and killing them, throwing them back in the water. Like, you know, he's, he's just not mad at the world. He's, right. he, he wants to see more of the world. So that alone, you know, is a credit to the, the writer and the character that he didn't use his predicament as uh, a means to just lash out. And instead, he, he wanted more. So I, you know, I thought the ending was great. Um, I, I, it, I, it was perfect. There was really no other way I, I would have liked to have seen it come to fruition, uh, mm-hmm. whether killing himself or, or whatever. I think Chabote did a great job of bringing the narrative to a fulfilling uh, conclusion. King Gat? Uh, there were a couple of instances um where yeah you you you're given the impression that um you think something is going to be different than, than what it actually is I, the, early on i thought maybe he actually because uh, we don't see him until you're past the 100 page mark and right and right. for a long time um or nine pages of seagulls i thought maybe he actually wasn't deformed that it was just something that his parents <laughs> that told him that, that, right that, that you know dad told him that so he'd never leave the island or never be seen and whatnot so um but yes everything's pretty much matter of fact and and so he, he is deformed yes there was the part um with uh with 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 kevin's apologetic girlfriend and um and the part with with the rope and, and because he is sitting on the bed uh rope in hand the shadows are coming. So, yeah, I think you're led to believe um, it's easy to assume that this is his way out because you just – and, and maybe that says something about the reader, um, not in Vince's right. case. But mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a case where, you know, you're, you're, you're left wondering, and, and it's another thing about, about multiple pages of um, – repeated scenes and you know because you you are waiting you're waiting for for you're going through the beats and waiting to see what the outcome is as 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 the tension builds but um you know you get to the end and and it's it's weird i mean the name of the book is alone he's alone throughout uh, except for his friend the goldfish alone throughout the entire book um only to um greet the two people one of who has been friendly to him and and he's leaving um the island i I absolutely love the ending i thought um it 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 was it because it's it it helps that it's a um and so so now he's going out into the world and and you can kind of i mean you could have written your own ending even if we just saw the rope in his hand and then the book ended and and you know you don't if if you're like vince you figure you know everything's fine then he'll just keep going on he doesn't have the dictionary anymore so maybe he'll do something else but um you know, or you just figure if that's where the book ends, then what happens is is whatever's in your head. But the uh, I I had, you know, I I, I like the ending. I, I thought it. I I did think um, it, it was fitting. I don't know if if it would have been an ending I would have come up with 
on my own, just based on on everything else and the way I think. But as far as as alone goes, and um, and what's been going on the past couple of weeks with these shipments, um, it it does uh, it's fitting. I, although I do, you know, I don't. It, Vince mentioned, it, you know, he's not. He's under the impression that he doesn't know why these boxes are dropped off, and I don't know if um, that's not something I necessarily subscribe to because since since the captain said his father left nothing to chance there's no reason for me to think and yes it's not outright said and there's and we saw no note written from his father to his son to dictate otherwise but but there's no reason for me to think that that his dad didn't say listen before he died not knowing you know leaving nothing to chance that he wasn't putting contingencies in place so that you know you never have to leave the island things are going to be taken care of for you and i'm not thinking anything was that deep in their conversations, but um, I didn't or, or wouldn't have assumed that that alone doesn't know why the boxes, the supplies are being dropped off every couple of weeks. Yeah, it's very clear, though, that the guys, the guy dropping the box, the captain dropping the oh, box. Oh, it was, a, made, it was has, a promise made to dad. Right, but he's never seen alone right. before. Yeah, yes, yes. So he's just... Acting he's following orders. He's right. Just, well, no, yeah. he's acting on a promise, right? right. He's promised yeah. Dad right, right. he'd do this. Promise, yeah. yep. So, I mean, I don't know. Again, you said it, it's really not explicit in the story whether the alone knows why they're coming right. or not. Yeah. But um, at the end of the day, uh, I have two two grades I would give this book. I'd give it a, a, a 10 um, objectively. Like I said, it's a very well constructed mm-hmm. book. Um, the illustrations are absolutely gorgeous, uh, and there are a lot of them. Uh, I, I think it's a it's a, a story with heart. It's well intentioned. It's something everybody should experience. Subjectively, I give the book a six. It's not something I'd ever read again. So it, it averages up to a solid eight. I, I like I said I enjoyed it very much, but sure. I mean once you've expended the message in the book, uh, you've made it to the ending. It's it's really not something I, I, I'd ever revisit. Um, other than to I mean it's basically a primer on light and shadow. And yeah, and, I was gonna, yeah. No, and, I'm with you on the on the rereadability. I mean I, I think the I might flip through it from time to time, but yeah, to sit down and and read it from start to finish i don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon but no. that is my view on most things of fiction so. right if you want a workshop on sequential art oh boy howdy this book is going to give you a a a, a uh, very experienced draftsman's approach to telling a story in pictures i mean it's amazing but you know the message is clear and resoundingly so and it's it's just one that um, once you get it, you get it. So you don't have to read it again. There, right. there, there yeah, are, I don't think there are very, there are not many subtleties in this book. No, I think that's right. Yeah. It's not Moby Dick. The, the, which you already did, but the, uh, um, yeah, going back to, to other things that lead me to think one thing before we see alone and, and know what he's doing, we just, every so often you'll see the lighthouse and you'll just, you'll, you'll, hear boom or you'll read boom but but you don't know right. what the boom is from and and whether or not you know he's he's shooting something or just you don't know and and it was one of those things where i'm like i'm like that's okay so i mean you kind of know early on 
well, or a third of the way in, that that things really aren't um, what they seem. So I guess uh, I really never should have thought that he was going to end his life just because the rope was in his hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I think, uh, I think, I think your your criticisms, Vince, are totally fair. I mean, it's just a question of this. The way you describe this book is the way I think I describe movie Joker, right? Which is that I think, from a a craft perspective, as we said on our review, I, I can't. I I think the film is incredible. I I think it's beautifully filmed. It's it's well acted. I, I you know I think it's like in terms of teaching a class on filmmaking, it's it's a masterpiece. But but for the kind of film I want to see, that eh, wasn't for me. But that right. doesn't. But right. those are two different things, right? But there's, the, like the said, most important the, thing is that you recognize the craft behind the book, yeah, which, yeah, which, which yeah, separates exactly, yeah. you from ninety five percent of the uh, couch bound critics out there. Now, the interesting thing, and this is probably another debate, we've had this kind of thing conversation before, is that, you know, you sell this book to a, a, a person and are, are do they have an obligation to to consume it in that way where, where they have to think about the craft? Probably not. I mean, I think that is the reason we do this show. It's the way we're wired. It's, it's why we drew, drew us together to end up making this crazy uh, community we've built. But I, But I think there's... Nothing inherently wrong if you just read a book for, for and, and take of it what you will without giving much thought to whether it was well crafted or, or just did you enjoy it or not. Same thing with TV or movie. I mean, um, you know, again, we were talking about the the Star Wars films, and I was, you know, saying that that forty five year old me cannot inherently uh, look at a film in the same critical eye that five-year-old me did it's it's neither it's not good or bad it's just a reality of of any person i i I, but i don't in a way i'm envious of people that can watch a film like the star wars movies at 45 and have the same kind of ability to just take it in from a purely visceral surface level enjoyment perspective and let it wash over them I, i i wish i could do that like genuinely i'm not being facetious i wish i had my the ability to not analyze the craft of it and the logic of the narrative because those things do take away from my ability to enjoy them in the same way I enjoyed the original trilogy. So like, I don't begrudge, like if someone read this and just wasn't focused on the craft and just was like, ah, this is boring to me or it wasn't for me. Like I to each his own, right? Like there's a difference between reading it and not enjoying it on a surface level versus I think reading it and not enjoying it and then like going out and writing a review where you say the book sucked, right? Like, like, like if you're going to be a critic, if you're going to voice your opinion and share your analysis of a work, whether it be any type of, of, of any, whether you're analyzing any, any type of art, I think then you have a bit of an obligation to play fair. I think if you're just consuming it as a consumer or a fan, add to each his own, man, enjoy it or don't enjoy it. Right. The path is yours. Do you know what I think your biggest stumbling block is? And it's 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 not to detract from you at all, but I think your ego is far too strong. You you have to destroy that in order to accept a work for what it is. 
you, you can't have that little kid sitting on your shoulder thinking, this is not the Star Wars that I remember. This is weird and totally different. And it's, it, it goes into different places. And, 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 and I, I remember it a very certain way from my childhood. And, and, and there were, there were factors that influenced my feelings that aren't, aren't present now. And I've, de- I've grown and I've developed and I have so much more knowledge than I did then. That ego, you need to destroy that in order to, which, which I know it's, it's a catch 22. How do you assess the merits of a work of art without a lifetime of experience yeah. guiding your hand? But the, the subjective is very, very strong. And it, it tells you like, this amazing Spider-Man that I'm I'm looking at right now, this doesn't walk and talk the same way as the Amazing Spider-Man did when I was twelve. Well, this is the nature of fandom, though, right? I mean, right? Like we we could each cite, we could go around the room and cite things that we know that each of us is incapable of doing that with. Very and true. And then things that we are, right? Like yes, like like FF. You you know you you can't like. FF a certain way or commandy, right? If they redo commandy, like very true, right? And 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 Dap, same thing. I mean, Dap's not feeling the Spidey Man right now, and that's cool. Like, like, but you know what I'm saying? Like, and I was thinking about this after we had our conversation on Twitter. I thought, you know, we can't lose sight of the fact that that nostalgia. When we talk about nostalgia, it, it is really, I think, a lot. When we were when when the collective we, like society or the culture talks about the power of nostalgia. I think really what we're talking about is the magic of first experiences. Sure. Because like we all happen to be roughly the same age, meaning that our, our halcyon times, like the, the comics that, that we hold dear are generally in the same age group. I mean, it's, you know, like a five to 10 year window and sort of the seminal time when we became comic fanatics. Um, but like, like you know, so we may scoff when when dude rolls up into our group and is like, "Yo, Kyle Rayner's my my Green Lantern, right?" Or <laughs> or uh, you know, Clone Clone Saga is my shit, you know, or or the the animated X Men series is is the reason I'm 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 getting uh, Disney Plus, right? Like we all scoff at that, but it's but we can't lose sight of the fact that if I was eight years old when those things came out those would probably be the things that I would hold dear because they're the first experiences I'm getting into those ideas and those genres. And it's just like that time and generation after generation after generation. And so that's why I say like, I don't, I mean, I know, I know what you're saying with the ego. All I'm saying is that right or wrong, your brain just works the way it works because of how important star Wars is to me. And I think many others based on the, the, the merry-go-round of, of, of reactions to these films. Um, we we put it on such an emotional pedestal, overvaluing it even, that we inherently struggle with. I don't even know. I don't even know that there's anything. You, I'm not sure that these three movies could have done what I wanted them to do. Like, I'm not sure anyone in anyone's hands they could have made a trilogy that would have given me the feelings and satisfaction that I thought or wanted to have. I'm not sure. And like, and that's a me thing, right? Like I get that. Like I get that. So, so, uh, but, but take another type of, uh, of type of fiction and I'm good with it. Like I can turn my brain off, right? Like Colin and I go to see every Bloomhouse horror flick ever. 
And you know, Vince, like 95% of them are absolute shite. Like, yeah, it's true. No plot, like, <laughs> no, no point, like not even scary. But I enjoy them because they're escapist and silly, and, and it's a thing I do with my son. It's like a right. thing we do, right? Like I, I can watch the Fast and the Furious films, and I'm sure objectively speaking, like if we were going to do a critical analysis of them, there are major plot holes and they violate the laws of physics, and there's all kinds of contrivances where people hate each other and trying to kill each other, then they're best friends. Like, all of these things would be fair game for me to talk about why, like, I disliked it if it were Star Wars, but it's fucking Fast and the Furious. So <laughs> all I want to see is The Rock and Vin Diesel driving badass fucking cars and beating ass. Like, and that's cool. Like, viscerally, that's all I need of it. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, like, I don't know that there's a blueprint. Like, I think everyone has things that you hold so dear, you overanalyze them. And then there's things that you just are able to take more at a, at, at a level and be like, no, that's cool. It is what it is. Right. So I just, I don't know. I don't know that there's any kind of like grand equation to decipher the highs and wherefores of where we come at with this stuff. I think we each have different scales that we judge things on. And sometimes we're super critical and sometimes we don't, we just, we just go with the flow. Right. But you, on the other hand, devil's advocate, you have assumed the role of a critic. Definitely, yeah, you, no, you, for sure. Every week of, of comics, yes, of not not of yes, Star Wars. Comics. Yes, every every week <laughs> you critically assess works of sequential art. So I hold myself to a different, and, and you I sh- think you, we all do. We all and hold you ourselves should. To, yes, you should hold but, yourself but, to a different right. standard. And this is the stuff that drives me. Nothing fires the mouth more than talking about art and our approach to art and uh, the the roads that lead us to assess a work that I always call in brackets. When The Rise of Skywalker started, that was the, be- the, 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 the beginning bracket. And when it ended, it was the end bracket. And you judge the work based on what appeared within those brackets. You don't judge it, at least in, in terms of a critical point of view, you don't judge it from eight-year-old me watching A New Hope, I think I was probably whatever, but whatever. Um, You don't, there's nothing, the ego should have no purchase in critical assessment of art. You you look at what it is and and you you comment, are the scenes well well constructed? Are the characters well designed? Is the dialogue meaningful and resonant and, and, and does it have purchase in the story? You know, everything, you go down the list, right? Right. But that's boring a lot of times. I mean, yeah, you can look at it from that point. But um, what about the eight-year-old you? How does that person see that? That is removed from the critical assessment of it. That's the subjective. Where that's, is that equally as valid as the critical assessment? I think it is. But it does the, the, the work in question a disservice. Because nothing, like we said, nothing can compare to the first exposure. Last year, The Rise of Skywalker could have been the best Star Wars film ever made. But if it doesn't tickle the fancy of eight-year-old Jason, it's not worth anything. This is probably where, and it's hard to do this on Twitter, where we actually disagree in the sense that my issues with Star Wars films. And by the way, I I said, as I said two weeks ago, I I enjoyed this Star Wars film. I, I thought Seventh was awesome. I thought the eight was terrible. Like I disliked, as we know, the eighth one intensely, and I thought the ninth one was fine. Like I left the film, I left the theater with a smile on my face. Thought it was cool. Thought it was a perfectly fine way to end the series. 
I'm glad they, you know, like JJ did his thing. I, I don't like dislike the film, but I don't think it's, but it certainly wasn't the film I was hoping it would be. But, but where I think we disagree is that the issue I have with the film is much more the critical subjective analysis of the film and taking issue with things. Whereas a lot of times people, when you take issue with these films, say things like, well, you didn't care that we didn't see the, the, the Imperial guards backstory in, in return of the Jedi. And well, you didn't care that there was a, uh, a MacGuffin in empire strikes back that couldn't be explained. And it's like, no, well, right. Because at fucking five years old, I wasn't capable of thinking about those things. Like I saw a giant, planet with a laser beam and i saw the good guys blow it up like i wasn't literally i was incapable of being a critic of those films all i had was the visceral at 45 i cannot purely turn that off i wish i could my issues with these films are 100 percent about the process of the film the leaps in logic the holes in the logic the non sequiturs, the the poor choices in terms of the structure of the films, the editing, the character development. The if it was just about eight year old me, I probably would have thought they were lit. Cause it'd still be about the Jedi's kicking the bad guys' asses. So that's where I think we differ is that the part of me that is leading me astray per se is not the uh the id, it's the ego. Right? It's yes. the other way around. You know, so But um, to your point, yes, I realize that Commandy is not the greatest <laughs> comic of all time. It's for it, you, it is. It's sloppy. It's 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 entirely uh, in homage to Planet of the Apes. Um, but to myself, who saw it as that guy that does Fantastic Four doing something even better. It's the greatest comic ever. Um, visually, I think I still think it is, mm-hmm. but the, you know, narratively, yeah. I mean, come on, it's it's weird. Yeah. But th- again, I can go back and look at it now and see the flaws uh, in quotes because you know those are the only thing. The, the flaws aren't there. It's I'm imparting the flaws into it. Um, but. Uh, we 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 have different lenses through which we look at these things. Yes. And when when we sit in these chairs and we step up in front of these microphones, the lenses through which we look at this stuff should be devoid of. This is not my Green Lantern. Is this a good, well constructed story? Does the art serve the story? Does the art take me places that art should take me? Um. And, by the way, I'm not real hot on this character because I love character X. And this is not character X. But I got to admit, the story was well done. You know what I mean? You can have it both ways. Yeah, can- well, that's why I think you probably chose the wrong word when you said devoid. Because you just ended, like, I think what you just said, the lies devoid. I think it shouldn't be devoid. I think we wouldn't be who we are and have the audience that we have and have the community we have if we didn't let, like, our the, our love of characters or what we think should or shouldn't happen as be a part of our voice. I think your point you were making and what I do agree with is that we have to be able to identify both sides of it. Yeah. You got to straddle like, the line. Like it's totally reasonable for Dap to be like Kyle Rayner's whack as fuck. Sure. I, I think, but as long as if he reads a Kyle Rayner comic, he's not like, I refuse to accept that this could be a good comic. Like, you know, no, right. something like, like, like you, you know, 
like you could when we did um it was Ryan Sook that drew it right the Commandy's thing and uh, yeah and, uh, yeah what was the name of Wednesday, that Wednesday comics yeah Wednesday yeah. comics you, you know I'm sure it wasn't like I don't even remember what you said about time but I'm sure you read it and were like well this isn't by Commandy but I'm also sure you were like but Ryan Sook is a freaking crazy good illustrator <laughs> it's and gorgeous. it's beautiful yeah. to look at and it's well yeah. executed like I, I think all of that is fine like like there are, I, I never want to lose. Like we're not Roger Ebert. Like it, our job is not to. I think I, I don't think our job is to give a critical, uh, near scientific analysis of the craft. No, it's too dry without wearing our emotion, the right. resonance of these stories on the sleeves. Because because yep. I don't think anyone can be a fanatic, and I think everyone in this on this podcast and listening to this podcast are in fact fanatics in, in terms of when it comes to comics. I don't think you can be a fanatic without having passion, right? Like if we lose the passion, sure. if we just have dispassionate analysis, then it becomes pretty boring. But you do have to acknowledge the objective. This, Definitely. As no, in the, I, I, right. Right. As in this sets book. sets us apart from a lot of other shows that have been around a long time is that we do try, and I say try because I'm sure there are times when we fail, but we try to balance it. We try sure. to say, I, I think this book is well executed. It's not for me, right? I really like this book, even though I know it's probably not the greatest, ex, you know, not the greatest book ever made. But I, I think all of those things, I think we try and give both and paint a tapestry. And then I think when you roll that into the fact that we don't all always agree on how that rubric plays out, it makes for an interesting yes. narrative. Yeah, well said. Nice. So there you go. So book of the month. Yes. Chabute. Chabute's uh, Alone from Gallery 13 Comics and Simon and & Schuster. Uh, I think it will enrich your uh, perception of, of sequential art. Seek it out. We'll be back to a poll next month, I assume, Dap? Yes. I'll. Um, should we do a theme or uh, should we just come characters. up with a list? Of what? Pulp characters. Oh my is Jason going Sock back it. to Hawaii sometime? <laughs> <laughs> Spirit, <laughs> Phantoms, to, Tarzan. To July, so why don't yeah. we make July's book of the month? Uh, dude, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, dude. We, listen, the last pulp thing I read is is in the running for a lot of my 11 o'clockers. Okay. Oh, there's a new uh, category of things I'll never read again? Wow, that's fucked up. <laughs> No, dude, Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. Well, that's really not pulp, but okay. It, oh, he's not pulp. No, no. I, I, I'll I'll split the difference with you. It was pulp e. Oh yeah, just yeah. Uh, oh, you mean oh, because it's more of an homage to pulp. It's more of an homage to Watchmen, but yeah, yeah. No, dude, Thunderbolt dude, was Thunderbolt was a Watchmen is based on a Charlton. I mean, like it. Yeah, well, Charlton <laughs> characters are pulp either, so. <laughs> I'm saying so. Okay. Well, yeah. No. I mean, I. Right, then pulp, then, God, you know what? Fine. Pulp still sucks. God bless you for for, <laughs> for thinking. Uh, what else do we have? I mean, I I read some other stuff. You guys got anything? Yeah, of course. Well, let fly. I mean, I've been talking a lot. Why don't one of y'all wax philosophically about something? Okay. I mean, I've got plenty more, but I, I think you know we like let's keep the balance going. Well, I read something really cool from IDW. It's a mini. Yeah, it's Not a mini. Whatever. Go ahead. Okay. Um, no, it, I'm just. Kidding. Yeah, it's a mini series. It's called the Kill Lock. Oh yeah. Written by. Did that come out today? I believe it did. All right. 
written and drawn, well, written and illustrated by the uh, wonderful Livio Ramondelli, another talented oh, yeah. Italian, who had, uh, has done yeah. some, yes, has done some Transformers work. And uh, this was created on his own time. Oh, I meant to order this and I didn't. Well, hey. Shit. Sorry. Yes, that's right. Because Okay. He did it on his own dime. Yes. And he brought it to IDW and he says, look, this thing's finished. Um, if you would find it in your good graces to possibly publish it, it would be really cool. And they're like, what? Are you kidding me? This is awesome. Let's roll with it. Uh, it's not too far removed from Transformers. Uh, in fact, everybody in the first issue is a bot. They're robots. And they find themselves in a predicament. They are, they have all been judged guilty of crimes. And the uh, method of punishment is the kill lock. They group a quartet, at least in, in this first issue, they group a quartet of bots together and should one of them expire they all die so they they are forced and it's actually cruel because if two characters are forced to live together and uh be copacetic that's you know chances are good that you would you would uh put aside any differences you have with you know your partner and for the sake of surviving and and just you know persevere but four characters learning to live together four very very different characters learning to live together and put aside their differences when one of the characters is a sadistic mass murdering in a borderline insane robot he's he's an of the artisan class which means he's a maker bot and he has created a lot of the other bots in existence. He's very full of himself. He's also very, very sadistic. He um, dissected robots while still alive just to see how, you know, it would play out. He's, he's uh, brutal, um, and he's the focus of this thing initially. Apparently, the parts from an artisan class bot are very very uh desired so they have these four robots that are put into this predicament they're all bestowed the kill lock one of them is like i said the the artisan class another is a very bulky robot who seems to have a lot of common sense but how he got into into this predicament um it's it's not explicit yet uh another is a massive hulking robot of the wraith class which are formidable fighters this thing is is immense and it, it looks like it, there's a little knight's templar in his design he's got massive mm -hmm. shoulders um and the fourth member of this killa group is a child who was unjustly accused so uh, two of the three robots are trying to protect protect the child. The the artisan class robot doesn't give a shit either way, and um, they're on this planet, and they're they're trying to find their way. And what do you know? Uh, uh, a pack of reavers comes up and says, "Hey, you're artisan class. Y your parts would fetch a pretty penny on the black market." And they're taunting him, and the the wraith robot is like. 
yeah, I don't think you want to do this. Um, and he he speaks, and his dialogue balloons are all lettered in Old English. It's really neat. Hmm. Um, so the the Reaver's like, "Fuck you!" And he shoots at the uh, the Wraith robot, and he stands up, and he's like, "Yeah, um, you're going to find out why they call me a Wraith." Uh, so he rips apart these guys, just totally destroys them. And one of them's left alive. Um, and the artisan class robot goes, you know what? I'll, uh, I'll make your end, uh, swift. If you just tell me, do you have a spaceship? So at the end of this issue, they, they transport to somewhere else, but they're, they're four completely, uh, disparate characters put into a situation where they have to act together for the sake of their own survival. And I just thought the premise was was amazing. Like um we as a society can't seem to to weather any kind of storm in terms of differences in personality. You know what I mean? Those guys are the bad guys, they're True. wrong. And and here you have four, four characters from very very different um walks of robot life. One of them an innocent uh forced to act in each other's best interests and the the uh the stumbling block is one of them couldn't care if these other three characters lived or died in fact he'd probably kill them the saw him themselves given the chance um i thought the first issue was wonderful it was really really well done um ramandelli's art is superb um it's it's probably digital but it's it's very dirty and 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 uh weathered and um very painterly in in some spots i it's just it's it's extremely well done but it's the premise that keeps me going like the 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 bot designs are are neat but they're not really anything we haven't seen before right um it's it's i think the 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 most fertile ground in this series is is the story which to me says a lot because yeah you can have a bunch of cool pictures linked together but if they're not if they're not planted in in um ground that's going to grow into something else then all you got is a bunch of pretty pictures and anybody can really do that it it's it's a story that i find most compelling with this book and um you know i i, I believe this was one of my choices for the uh, dcbservice.com spotlight and yes. now, now I'm glad that I did because I feel justified in, in pimping this book because it's wonderful. There's a, a scene in the beginning that perfectly sums up the artisan's mindset. He's in a bar with a, another bot. And the bot looks like a pug. He's a big, burly, um, <laughs> he's a labor class bot. And he's got this pooched out face. And the artisan goes, man, you are fucking ugly. You're an ugly son of a bitch. He goes, but you know what? I'm a maker and I designed you. If I do this and he touches him on his face, he goes, you won't talk again. And the bot's like, like he can't talk. He can't speak. That's how sadistic this maker bot is. And he goes, "Uh, and you know what? Um, If I do this. You won't do something else. So he basically maims this bot before leaving the bar and doesn't really think much about it. Like, yeah, yeah, I just maimed that guy, whatever. Um, And he leaves. 
So that says everything I needed to know about this 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 MakerBot. He's a sadistic fuck. And you want to see him die, but if he dies, this child also dies. So it's it's a really neat, very compelling story. Uh if you're, you know, if you're a fan of the Transformers, this is not too far out of your wheelhouse. So check it out. It's the Kill Lock number 1 from IDW, written and illustrated by the wonderful Livio Ramondelli. I, I I just thought it was a complete winner on all levels. Ramondelli did a commission for a fan, uh, for a collector where he was asked to do a Art Adams esque Transformers universe. Wow! Yeah, oh, that was his. Is, yeah, it's like oh, multiple my. eleven by seventeens. Yes, hundreds of Transformers. It's, I saw that. It's just jaw dropping. Sick, yeah. right? Yeah. But the level of detail in in this book is it's more painterly than mm-hmm. than line work, which I think fits the story. But uh Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It, it looks a lot to me like uh like Descender, Dustin the Wind and Jeff's book. Uh, same kinda. kind of thing, like yeah. digitally painted, you know, same kind of, of setting. Uh it's beautiful. yeah, it's beautiful. It's Yep. I'm not that familiar with Ramondelli. I only know Ramondelli mainly because he's at every con we ever go to, and he's always a guy that people get to draw Transformers. So, but I, I, I can't say I've seen a lot of his sequential work. So, right. no, this is great. Um, if you want to see images from this book, by all means, go to our website, eleven dot com. Click on the link for this episode, six forty five, and you will be. Your eyes will bask in the glory of a number of images from this book. So don't take my forward for it. Go to our website. See for yourself how beautiful and uh, captivating this artwork is. And then, you know, make your choice. Do you want to buy it? Do you not want to buy it? It's there for you. I suggest you buy it. (laughs) Be there or be square. Yep. Freedom of choice. Yeah, I, I had what the, you um, want. I had the pages ripped out, and I think, I think it was in my my previous video for that month. But I I, I was going to wait for um for the collection because I I've read very little Transformers. I'm not familiar with his work, but I the solicit kind of won me over, and so did your review. Yeah, Dap. Before you say anything about a book that you've read, did you get great lamination in your? Uh, I can't I, say what they are, but the muffins. <laughs> They're, actually, it's it's they they're not spelled how they sound how they sound, which is crazy. They're Queen Amons, they're, Queen so Amons, like so, queen. like almost like an Egyptian queen, like Queen. Yes. Uh, yeah, there was actually. I mean, it it it's you only turn it, um, you fold it over, you see, so make an envelope of like three level three layers, and then and you do that like three times. So it's 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 however sounds many. like lamination. It does. I yeah, so I kind of I, I you hear it was Paul Hollywood looking over your shoulder? I it it almost I wouldn't have gotten a handshake because of the brown spots, but it was a um that ain't it, no brown it was, spot. Those are was, they look delicious. They yeah, they do they, I mean there they, were brown spots so I agree like he wouldn't have given you the handshake because no brown spots but that doesn't mean they weren't tasty. No oh they were hell they are hella tasty. There there are a couple left but yeah they are uh they 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 are not um they're not for people with gluten allergies or for uh, anyone on a diet. Um, yeah. they're, they're made with strong bread flour, so this is a higher protein content, more gluten, and then. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't mean this to turn into a cooking show, but it was, it was my, it was my absolute first attempt at trying something like that, and it was, um, 
because I haven't made bread yet, and and this is the closest I've done, and and it. Uh, well, this is harder I, than making bread. I, I I don't know. I don't know. It's it's not harder than making yeah, sourdough. I think so I think lamination is seriously. How hard is oh. making freaking bread? It, there are some breads that are extremely easy to make. I mean, and did you press easy. the butter in, or did you roll flat pats of butter? Like, yeah, I no, no. I I took I I took the butter. I um, I, I cut them into smaller cubes, and then I kind of I I fashioned down and rolled them into uh, rolled them into in, into a square block, and and I folded the dough over that. Also, like traditional classic lamination. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was. Damn, I, I, I went all in. I went all in. It, right, and man. it's also it's not a quick. It's it's not something. Oh, let me throw let me throw some rolls in. It, it, this there's no Pillsbury shit going on here. It was. I mean, of it, course, because 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 each each turn, then the dough has to chill for. I mean, of course, it has to proof. But then after you do each turn, it that that's chilling in the fridge for at least a half hour. So you got um, six months to uh, get it right. Seriously, you st- you start making macarons. <laughs> And I'll come stick my dick right in your hand. I'll, I'll, I'll try <laughs> Macron's. Don't even tease. You show up at my house for heroes with Macron's. It, it, I'll try right? Macron's. It, it is, it is, uh, it's going off. We're, Seriously. It is, it's happening. <laughs> Ain't no human centipede shit, motherfucker. How about them 11 o'clock guys talking about Macron's Listen, on that list? Anybody, that, anybody that, that takes issue with Facebook can eat my dick because all I know is I love that they know what I'm into because I got advertised macaron.com. And I was on that shit like white on rice, son. I ordered that 36 Macrons to be delivered to this house. Like, too sweet. Can't wait for him to get here. Wow. They are the yep. best. So good, right? Yeah. The way that just dissolves in your mouth. Mm, oh, my goodness. My God, right? It's a religious I'm, experience. The, and the for good you Luddites, ones. a Macron is different than a macaroon, okay? Yes. Like, a macaroon is fine in its own way, but it's that is a, a coconut flavored airy cookie. Mm, it's a a macaron is a classic French dessert mm. that is extremely light and delicate and is very hard to make. Yes. But my man Dap's gonna figure it out by the time we go to Charlotte. He is. I was actually I mean the thing that, that, that blew me away is that I, I made um, I also made I had to make caster sugar for this because I was looking for yeah I don't know what the hell that is but all all okay so there's there's the the the, the domino granulated cane sugar that 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 you get everywhere that that, that you get with your coffee and confectioner sugar. and then there's confectioner sugar which is the powdery stuff the icing sugar this is right in between so it's oh. it's finer it, it's it's also known as it's not just caster sugar it's also known as super fine it's known as baker sugar so it's just it's it's right before it becomes that that powdery clump that confectioner sugar, sugar is and it's after um it's it's in between granulated and confectioner so um now i have a baggie of that that i made so i have something that, i got to do something with it but yeah i'll um i'll i'll i'll, I'll give the macrons a try oh shit you heard it here first everybody make a raspberry one i'll come now were there any comics you read this week dap that were as good as a macron um Oh boy! You know, I I read I I I mean, Vince and I spoke on Sunday, and I had promised. And I mean, the, the week completely got away with me, away from me, because um, I realized today's the twenty. I had to work one day, but the, the realizing that I had that, that today was the twenty sixth, and the last Thursday that we had to do book of the month. Um, I I have a stack of books downstairs next to the couch that I was planning on reading. Um, and and just to bring it back, my my wife gifted me um, a 
Paul Hollywood book and a Mary Berry book. And I was reading the oh, Paul nice. Hollywood book. Well, the, see, the thing is, so, so yes, there are recipes in there, but the Jeez. Paul, the Paul Hollywood book also kind of talks about his you life. Cheating on his wife repeatedly? No, actually, and Renee asked that too. She was like, so oh. was a chapter on that? But no, that's not in there, but it was, you know, him starting cause his dad owned a, um, a chain of bakeries yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and then he worked for hotels. And so I was reading the chapters in between that. Um, so we can talk on that, but no, I, I have, I mean, I, I was flipping through, um, so you basically shirked your responsibility. I well, not really, because there is something I, I was. I, I'm not going to save this for in your travels. I'll talk about it now, but okay. Um, only because I think actually I got to go back to my order and 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 add it if it's if that's the case. But um, I was reading them digitally because I, now I want to get the collection of Batman Universe. I finished uh, the last couple of issues. Oh, uh, I yeah, I've heard I've heard people praise this book. I have zero. I don't even know what it's about. I don't. I, like, I mean, I know it's about Batman, but I don't. I, it's 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 brave in the bold because every okay. issue okay. um he's he teams up with um another DC hero and and it uh i mean we've had we've had um he teams up with uh green lantern with Hal Jordan uh teams up with nightwing teams up with Jonah Hex um green arrow so there's, so there's a different hero and and he's basically chasing um this egg, this this alien egg, and um, Vandal Savage is the big bad throughout the entire arc. He is uh, he wants the egg because he he knows it will let him basically control the universe. He can control. But this isn't the Plastic Man egg. No, 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 a completely different thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, before you go any further, tell him who illustrated it. Oh, Jason definitely knows because the man's um, repped by Felix, but it is beautifully illustrated by Nick Darrington. Um, right, right. I, I, I want. I, I I'm going to have to look because I, I definitely want um, a page from from this run, um, preferably with Green Lantern on it. But it, it's just, it's, it's kind of, um, it's not necessarily set in the main DC universe that either Tom King is writing Batman or 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 um, Tomasi or anybody. Is anybody it Elseworlds or? Is it- it's not really an Elseworlds. It's it's because it, it's the same because it's the Walmart universe. It's the same. It, it, it's oh, is one of Walmart same. books? Yes, yes. This is a oh, collection. Okay. okay. Um, the the Walmart Batman books uh, issues like two through eight or whatever. What yeah, there was it, serial that that Bendis wrote through those issues, and that's what that's what this is reprinting, um, and so it's it's also the introduction. This is where we first meet. Ginny Hex that is used in in Young Justice, um, but yeah, it's it's just it's it's a lot of fun. It looks gorgeous. It 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 reads real cleanly. I mean, just just from start to finish, it's it it's. I I like this this Batman is a little more um, kind of reminds me a little bit of of. Um, fractions batman from superman's pal jimmy olsen where he's he's a little more uh he, he's got a bit of a humor streak to him he's 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 not um i mean he's not like tony stark as as the rich dude cracking jokes but there's he's got a lighter side in this series he's not he's not so dark and grim but uh the the relationship he has with alfred any other heroes this isn't really. This doesn't feel like the Batman who created Brother Eye that was spying on all of the Justice Leaguers if, before Infinite Crisis. This is more of a um, as relatable as someone could be to Batman. This, this is probably the closest we're going to get to one. Uh, 
but yeah, I just think from the, the whole the whole mystery aspect of it, the, the mystery kind of takes not even a mystery, but just just getting to um, to the finish kind of takes a backseat to 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 the um, to the camaraderie he has with with other heroes and uh, the the adventures. I mean, he's in Gorilla City, then he's back in the Old West with Jonah Hex, and 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 then he's in space with 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 the the Thanagarians, and and then he's back in Gotham, and he's getting and he's shot in Crime Alley and and left for dead, and then Alfred has to show up, and just like in the Batman sixty six show, Alfred shows up driving the Batmobile, but he's wearing a mask, and it's just nobody knows who's driving the Batmobile. Um, but you know, I I thought this was this was great fun. So um, I believe Vince said in the Slack that it was collected or was solicited. Um, it's solicited it, this month for and December. It, yes, and it's currently fifty uh, percent off. So it's a twenty four ninety nine hardcover collecting Batman Universe one to six that you can have for twelve forty nine. Yes, I got to add it then because I I just finished my order the other day. Um, I, I definitely recommend it. It's it's uh, like I said, it looks great. Uh, it starts off with with Batman chasing the Riddler, and then Deathstroke gets involved with the Green Arrow, um, and 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 the the egg affects the person holding it. Whether it 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 um, almost makes them a little loopy, kind of maybe devolves them a little bit. And um, there's there's a scene where where Batman kind of. Um, uh, there's some connection with the guardians. I'm, 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 I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's, it, it's, it's crazy. The cover, one of the covers might actually kind of give things away, but it's, it's just, it's a crazy ride. I absolutely adore it. Um, reads great. Looks amazing. I, I definitely, I, I finished that and I was so, I, I finished it. I was like, this, this was just great. I, I, I closed comiXology. I was like, that, that I, I love that. And, and so, yes, I did. I read and finished something and, and that's aside from alone and Batman universe is what it was. So, um, I'll, I'll stop gushing about it so people can order it and, and then we'll come back to it in a couple months when we all read it. But yeah, that's, that's all I'll say about that. Nice. Can I make us a, a, a suggestion? Absolutely. Cause I see you've already read it. Uh, can, can we agree that we'll discuss, uh, um, Doomsday Clock uh, next week. Sure. Oh, sure. Because I I do plan before my vacation is over to read it. I stopped after the third issue. We all read ten, and then yeah, and then we went back. Yeah, yeah and then I went. Yeah, and then I I came back in, and I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna. So I'm gonna reread it from the start, and then get through this whole thing. So sounds like a plan. Nice. Um. I have a bunch of things on my list that I'd just like to check off quickly, kind of like a little rapid fire. Sure. Um, and and they all, oddly enough, have something to do with the supernatural. We'll figure. Really? Yeah. Strangely enough, I don't know. It's not October, but it just uh, seem, seems to be uh, the that kind of thing. Okay. Um, first up, Vince, have you read yet Our Encounters with Evil? I have not. Who publishes it? This is uh this is Dark Horse. It's uh, the Mignola book. Came out last month. It is the sequel to Mr. Higgins Comes Home. Oh I no, like. I have not read that yet. Yes. So I'm not gonna get into it deeply, but uh for those of you curious, Vince and I talked quite a bit about Mr. Higgins Come Home back in two thousand seventeen. This uh it was written by Mignola with art by Warwick Johnson Cadwell. 
this is the sequel to that. Uh, whereas whereas uh, Mr. Higgins Comes Home was a singular story, um, basically featuring for it's it's like it's it's a Sherlock Watson conceit. It's 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 yeah. two guys that are supernatural hunters and 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 scientists and uh it's professor jt meinhardt and and his assistant mr knox and uh we both enjoyed the the first work quite a bit Very um much. Yeah. yeah so so this is the sequel it's small it's like 85 90 pages um it's 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 short it's a couple of short stories featuring the same characters uh i thought it was good i didn't think it was as good as the is the first foray because i thought the anthology left a little bit to be desired particularly one of the the stories, the second story in the group, I thought was a little boring, but overall, it was fun to revisit these characters. Uh, and I think Manuela obviously is. It's hard for Manuela not to write a good story. So, so I, I definitely think if you enjoyed Mister Higgins comes home, then you should earmark uh, when our uh, when you earmark um, our encounters with evil. Um, in keeping with the theme, uh, I also read when I arrived at the castle which is a graphic novel by Emily Carroll. Um, it, I, it also features prominently vampires. Um, I will say that while I enjoyed it, I did not enjoy it anywhere nearly as much as I enjoyed uh, her Through the Woods, which uh, was really her breakout book. I thought that was a masterpiece. I thought this was... Less so, I thought it was a bit disjointed visually. I think it takes some pretty bold steps, particularly with uh, with with color. Um, but I thought it was a relatively predictable narrative. So, if you haven't read any Emily Carroll, then read through the woods. If you've read through the woods and very much enjoy it, you'll probably like this, but not quite as much. Um, I mentioned on our Facebook group that. I haven't been giving Comixology Unlimited its due. I've been a member for a long time. And I was perusing through after, um, really the impetus for this was when we had Fleece on. And he talked about Witch Hat Atelier. And then you in the same episode, Vince, talked about Mega Hex. And then I noticed when I went to Comixology to check them out that both Mega Hex Volume 1 and Witch Hat Atelier Volume 1 were available for free on Comixology Unlimited. And I thought, oh, that's pretty dope. And so uh, I went and was digging around, and there's some like pretty awesome stuff. Like Dap, I don't know if you saw in the group I posted, but Remind Brewbaker's Remind is on there. Fantastic, yeah, which I thought was pretty neat. But um, but I went there um because Netflix has two uh new shows, one very I think prominent and critically acclaimed, one a little bit more under the radar that uh, dropped this uh this month, and that is V Wars which uh, is an adaptation of some, I don't know, Vince, do you know, was V Wars a, a novel, a series of novels turned into comics or the other way around? Do you know? Unknown. Okay. Cause it's, I know it, you read, yeah, did you read the com? You read some of the comics, right? Mm, I remember you saying you read them and didn't care for them. Well, if I did they're they've been blocked out of my memory because okay. I, I don't remember reading them. Well, either way, there's a new Netflix series called V Wars. Um, the premise is definitely, I, I, I mean, I dig the premise. It's, it's essentially um, a virus is uh, is unearthed from the Arctic, and that virus turns uh, some people that have the genetic disposition into effectively vampires. Um, 
So, and I knew that there had been a comic um, at the time. And then the other series is The Witcher, which is probably best known through most of our listeners as the incredibly popular video game series. Um, I believe originally The Witcher was a series of novels. It then became a wildly popular series of games with The Witcher 3, considered by many to be one of the best, if not the best, um, video game of of this console era. Uh, and that's not hyperbole. It's held in that kind of regard. Um, I haven't played it yet, although I have it coming. Uh, and then there were, Dark Horse did a series of Witcher comics with covers by Mignola, um, but written by Paul Tobin, who I think very highly of. Mm-hmm. So Comicsology Unlimited had the first volume of V Wars by IDW and the first volume of The Witcher Um Available, so I read them both, and they are both. You can skip them. Watch the Netflix shows. Mm. Uh, the, the comics are are not particularly good, in my opinion. I I think The Witcher. I think Tobin writes a very. He does a great job writing, but I think the art um, leaves a lot to be desired. It, it is it is uh, in the BPRD uh, vein, but it's very very rough around the edges. I think it's it's it's. This it's a couple of years away from being ready for prime time, in my opinion. So I think you can, if you were looking to scratch that comic itch because of these shows uh, being hits on Netflix, just stick with the televised versions. I think you're better off. Uh, and then the last thing, Vince, which I I apologize because I know you talked about this book on an episode where I was not uh, on the show, but I did never get a chance to go back and listen to what you said. No, and I apologize for that, but because I usually do listen to our shows when I'm not on. But in that case, I somehow didn't, and it was uh, Philip Drouet's, uh The Night. Oh, nice! Yeah, I mean that book. Uh, I like you pre-ordered it. It had been sitting in my Regina pile for some time. Uh, I wrapped I, I it open. I have no idea what you thought of the book. I assume you very much liked it, based on having read it and knowing your tastes. I assume you loved it. Of course, am I right in that? Yes. yes. Um, so I will not, for those loyal listeners who probably listen to Vince talk about it in detail, I won't get into it in great detail, but I will say I loved it. Uh, Drouet is a fucking art beast. Uh, Monster. Like, I mean, the, 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 the double page spreads, you know, towards the end of the book are just ridiculous. I mean, needless to say, this is very much in the, in the metal hurlant, heavy metal. It would fit right, right in. It's, you know, the. The color scheme is that of a '70s, right? Like, like a black velvet poster. I mean, it's 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 psychedelic. It's violent. It's it's puerile. It's it's uh, it's political. It's it's all these things rolled into one. It's just it's just. And then you know, just when you think you kind of figured out what this book is about, you see these beautiful, lifelike photo images of his deceased wife who passed away from cancer, and yep. it just it throws the book for a complete loop because it's just completely out of. Uh, artistic and aesthetic context of everything else that you see in the book. Um, it's just a, a just a visceral, uh, just just explosion of of uh, of baroque uh, apocalyptic imagery, and uh, absolutely right up my alley in that regard. There's a, a page of this where like it's kind of a that monstrous island or mountain or whatever it is, and it, it very much reminds me of. Um, of the Stoko page that I have from, uh, from, from his book, you know, where the, the, the rolling tank of the giant monster island. Oh on the tank. yeah. 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 I thought it was, I so saw, I'm, I've been imagining Stoko probably either, either, uh, 
karmically or directly is uh, is a fan of Rie. So, so wow, what a, I mean that this is a book. Just again, just for the art alone. I mean, Jesus, this dude is a fucking beast. And, and what amazes me, I don't know if you know Vince or if you talked about it, but he created this right after his wife passed away in 1975. Yep. And then this wasn't published anywhere until 40 years later. Right. Like, I mean, I know this is an American adaptation, but but this wasn't even published in France until uh, I think 19 uh, like four uh, or like 2014. I think he held on to it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you can you can feel the loss um, when he when she enters the story, uh, and he doesn't feel like he could do justice to her image, so he uses right. a photograph instead. Photo, right, yeah. Oh yeah. my God, it's just devastating. no. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. And she's a beautiful woman. Oh God, she's she's a vision. I mean, yeah. she's drop dead gorgeous. Yep. I mean, legit model gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, two huge thumbs up. I was first turned on to this dude uh, when our buddy Tony Esmond sent me The Six Voyages of Lone Sloan. So, yeah. But anyway, uh, huge, huge fan of this book, for sure. So you patrons will not be getting this in a care package. So so it it took Tony to... To do it when when I probably talked about Lone Sloan before. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think he sent it to me before you talked about it, and I had read Lone Sloan when you talked about it. Yeah, doubtful. Okay, no, right. it's not doubtful. That's not true. <laughs> See, that's hurtful. That's hurtful. <laughs> oh my goodness! Hey, everybody, that was a lot of fun. Uh, if you would be so kind and do yourself a service, it, it's not about kindness; it's about saving money. Go to dcbservice.com, and you can reap the rewards of. Very, very low prices for the stuff you want. Last time, write them down. From IDW, Jenica from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universe. Jenica number one, you can have for $2.49. Remember, it's a four ninety nine book. I don't know if it's exercise. We'll see. From Archie. Archie meets B-52s. Uh, Alex Segura, Matt Rosenberg, Dan Parent, $1.99. And the Raphael Squared on Hidden Society number one. From Dark Horse again. This is a mini series, four issues. Number one will you can take it home for dollar ninety nine. DCBService dot com. In your travels, I read Headlopper Volume Three. Nice. It's been a minute since we talked Headlopper, and that's on yes, us. Yeah. That's on us because mm-hmm. uh, it is a quarterly, and I choose to read it in collected edition. So. Um, yeah, it's been about a year since I've talked about it because this, uh, volume three, uh, the Knights of Venora contains Headlopper issues nine to 12, which of course was written and illustrated by Andrew McLean, art by, or color art by Jordi Belair and letters, edits and design by Andrew's wife, Aaron, Aaron McLean. Did you ever wonder how Norgal encountered um, Agatha the Witch in the first place? If you did, this trade will tell you how that all went down uh, in flashback. But in real time, Norgal encounters Arlen Four and Balin Falgor, which are the third and first swords, respectively to this king Asnan of Venoria. And the pair are wounded. Balin's gravely wounded. 
uh, pierced by a goblin arrow. So Norgal patches up Arlen, but Valen desperately needs a healer. So it's off to the city of Venoria they go. The problem is that magic is banned within the walls of the city. So Agatha, a.k.a. the head in the basket, will have to remain quiet. And you know, if you've read Headlopper, that keeping Agatha quiet is something that's very, very difficult to do. Um, even worse, Balin and Norgal have history. Balin was there at the scene when Norgal chopped off Agatha's head. Um, but there's more to the story than that, and I'm not going to spoil the details for those who haven't read this. Um, in the past, a goblin arrow pierced Arlen's eye, and in order to save her, the healers need to needed to bond her spirit with that of another, a familiar. And so she has a giant bird named Gethin on which she rides, and it just gives McLean ample... Uh, impetus to create these gorgeous, gorgeous images of this this female warrior riding this giant freaking bird. And again, I have one of these images in the gallery on 11oclockcomics.com. We don't, I mean, I know McLean is a super beast. He's God mode at this point. But because Headlopper comes out quarterly, we don't really champion his work as much as we should. And I think Andrew is just... No, that's facts, yeah. Yeah, Andrew's just... Uh, he's he's like a, 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 a force of nature when it comes to, to the visuals. It's just, God, so beautiful. Um, so the city of Venoria is built around this giant egg, egg-shaped uh, object. And the king takes the goblin's attack on his first and third swords as an act of war. So he's readying the troops... And Arlen's like, nah, you know, I don't think we should rush into this um, full bore. Let's take a couple minutes and think about this because you're going to go into a war here. And the king's like, no, nah, no way. We're going to war. This is it. Those goblins are scum. Um, the king has an arch cleric named Florentine that's a double agent. And they're reporting to this giant shadowy figure that sits on the throne. We don't see too much of them in this. But everything that happens within the, the, the walls of Venori is reported back to this, this, this person. Um, Florentine waits till Norgal drinks himself uh, silly and throws him in, a, in the dungeon. And he's all trussed up um, with this giant piece of wood. And he's, it, he's, he's like he's put in a stock, but it's not a traditional stock. And there's rats in the dungeon. And he fights his way out. Uh, there's a turbaned ninja-like character that bounds through the stories. Um, the egg eventually cracks. The goblins attack. It's just awesome. Headlopper is just amazing. Um, it's old-timey fantasy goodness illustrated by one of the best guys out there. I just think, um, go down the list. His character design, his sequential work, his, his drawing ability. McLean is like, he's a, he's a nuke. And I love his work. So reading this reminded me of the fact that we don't talk about McLean enough. Yeah, when Headlopper first came out, we were like, oh, this is the shit. But because yeah, right. yeah because it comes out so infrequently, yep. and the issues are, are, are bigger 
than normal size. I think they're like mm-hmm. 50, 60 pages. Um, get on the Headvopper bandwagon if you haven't already because it's just a great, great uh, story. Uh, for my money, if I were forced to choose, and they're very similar in approach, you put the Hellboy on the one side, you put the, the Headlopper on the other side, depending on my mood. Interesting. Depending on my mood, I would pick the uh, the Headlopper. Wow. I think it's visually it's more diverse and and more um, more avant-garde than Hellboy. Mm-hmm. Hellboy is a traditional approach. When Mignola does it, eh, you know, Mike has his thing that he does, but that's all he does. But McLean, I don't know. He's 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 got this indie um, approach to to design that I think is is very much more pleasing to my eyes than than Min- Mignola's chiaroscuro black and white approach. But mm-hmm. whatever, that's just me. They're both great, but depending on when you ask me in in the week, I would probably pick uh, McLean over. Over Mignola. But you don't have to pick. That's the great thing about comics. You can have them both. That is true. Yeah. So, Head Opera Volume 3, uh, The Knights of Venora from Image. It is just phenomenal. Read it. And it ain't over yet. In <laughs> ah, your travels. Um, uh, two things only because, um, one, I wanted to talk up, but... There's not a lot to talk up, so I'll follow that with with something that I definitely think y'all should be reading. But I um, there was a one shot anthology not too long ago from Marvel, uh, Amazing Spider Man Going Big, which consisted of three stories. Yeah, it was like um, a jam piece, right? Like a jam story, like that, uh, right? Well, there was the the it was Eric Larson's return to to Marvel and Spider Man uh, with a ten page story. There's a very short story. Um, by Todd Nock and Ralph Macchio. Uh, the bulk of the issue um, is a story. It's weird. It, it for plot and script, they did this for 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 Macchio, and they did this for the main story. Like, why not just say writer? But um, apparently, plot and script of the first story called Field of Fire is by Jerry Conway, uh, Mark Bagley on pencils, and uh, three different anchors. The the main story, I wasn't feeling because of the way it was told. It's present day, there's flashbacks. It's present day. It, it was. I'm not gonna say it was a mess, but it wasn't as. I, the, the, Jerry has written cleaner stories. Uh, the Macho Knock story is is cute, but but the um, the Bad Boy by Larson is uh, is I think worth the. Um, Especially for the splash pages, it's it's worth the price of admission. But it's it's a uh, it's a simple story with Spider-Man versus the Queen of the Werewolves, and uh, it's he's all in a rush to go to the movies um, with Mary Jane. Uh, it's it's a quick little tidy story, but Eric still knows how to draw Spidey, and and that's um and that's that's really all I want to say about that. But I um. We had Phil on talk about it when uh, before the first issue of Family Tree came out. I read the um, the second issue and it it, it knocked me on my ass. It, the, the first issue we all read, enjoyed it. It, it a solid hook made us interested, uh, but the second issue fills you in on what um, you know what Grandpa was doing before um, before his daughter in law 
saw him again at the end of the first issue and it's um it's it's a bit of a gut punch and there's a little bit of a reason you know you, you kind of see the cracks in the relationship between um uh Loretta and and her father-in-law Judd um but it's uh it it's mostly told from a year prior because the main story takes place in 97 uh but yeah it's um it's it's uh I'm not going to say it was hard to read but it's it's um there's there's a little bit of a the, of an emotional impact in the second issue but yeah if 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 you didn't listen to us if you didn't listen to Phil uh and um shame on you and you missed the first issue of Family Tree then um make sure it's still available and and pick up the second one while you're at it yeah, I concur with that. I just read that today, actually. Nice. It wasn't on your list there, Bill. It wasn't. It wasn't. As I, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's all good. It's all good. Uh, in your travels, um, well, first, uh, hopefully you all have done this already, but uh, the more the merrier. There's never too many of you. Uh, we are just weeks away from our celebration of the year that was in our 11 O'Klosker, uh event. And uh, I know we are behind the scenes tallying our favorites of the year and you all uh, very much can do the same and have a voice here uh, the two easiest ways for you to do that are to go to 11 o'clockcomicscom our main website and uh, DAP has lovingly put a tab there uh, the first tab you'll see is episodes which are uh, obviously all of our show episodes and then the next tab over 2019 11 o'clock so you click on that it will bring you to the Google form for you to fill out to your heart's content. Or if uh, for some reason you have an aversion to going to websites, I wouldn't know why, but if you do, you can just go directly to the form by going to rebrandly, R-E-B-R-A-N-D.ly slash O-Kloskers, and you can get there too. Uh, but uh, go to the site. So it's nice. It's nicely designed. It looks good. Um, and uh, the reason I bring that up is because the My Inner Travels is a book that is, I think, just going to fall short. It's not going to quite make it on the list, but I very much enjoyed it. And uh, that is by uh, Mr. K- written by Mr. Kyle Starks, with art by Erica Henderson and letters by Darren Bennett. Uh, Assassination, a five-issue limited series by Image Comics. You know, it's starting to dawn on me that I'm a big, big Kyle Starks fan. Um, <laughs> Sex Castle, Rock Candy Mountain, Mars Attacks. I think the dude can write his ass off. He's he's a fun writer. He's really very, very good at writing uh, '80s action movie homages and comics uh doesn't take himself too seriously mixes the funny and 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 the and the the action really well uh and this is another another example of that um we talked about the first first or maybe first and second issue when they when they broke pretty cool premise basically there is a dude an assassin that goes by the name Chekhov's gun he was the world's best assassin he has since elevated to leader of one of the big crime families and now someone is out to get him so what does he do? He hires the tw- world's 20 best assassins as his personal bodyguards. And then hijinks ensue because they all hate each other. Uh, they're, uh, they're, they, they go about killing each other. The, the people after him go after them. Uh, and it basically is a game of, uh, of, of, of assassin telephone until we get windowed down to just a few um, key players. By the last issue, we get a big reveal as to who's really behind this uh, assassination attempt and uh, basically everybody tries to uh, come out 
still breathing and most don't. Um, I think the thing that sells this book for me is the Erica Henderson art, because if you look at her art and probably most of you know it from her run on squirrel girl, it's not what you'd expect to see in a bloody eighties action homage. And that's why it works weirdly enough. Um, I, I, you know, if this was drawn realistically or if like Sean Murphy drew this or something like that, I, I don't think it would, it would seem a little bit too, too, uh, legitimate. Like it was trying to be John wick. And, and that's not what this is about. This is about like the funny. And, uh, I think it was great. It was clever. It was relatively simple. That had the right amount of twists. I think that, uh, as I said, Starks has a great, a great sense for comedy. Uh, even with the assassinations names, I mean, I think the one that's probably the breakout star of this book was an assassin named Fuck Tarkington. Yeah. Um, but there are lots of really clever assassins that have different uh, conceits, and uh, it was terrific. I really, I loved it, and I think it's the perfect kind of collection story. I think I read it in issues, but you, the trade is now out, and I think reading this in a trade, it'd be quick read, one sitting, a lot of fun, very satisfactory, game set matchy. You, you, Start finish. You don't need to worry about if there'll be a sequel or anything. There very much will not be. Uh, and uh, yeah, I thought it was terrific. So if you want the fun and you were a fan of Sex Castle, this is very much a spiritual successor to that. Agreed. Awesome. Yeah, yeah I agree too. Yeah, yeah I liked it a lot. I yeah. I I when I um because I, I I had the last couple of issues just just waiting to be read and then um i skimmed the first two again and then read the last three and it it, it was yeah the the twists were great um character interaction was solid um but yeah i i had a lot of fun with it so definitely recommend it if, if you're looking for something that you know you just want to um throw something at someone that uh just wants to read something not necessarily off the beaten path but just wants to read something that that that's that's a good time and and entertaining and they don't take themselves too seriously and 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 are fine with um with violence or language then uh you you can't do much better than assassination nation truth and we had a lot of fun doing this so remember if you would like more of the same that's not this. Come to our Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, and Instagram pages because we do all of this over there as well. If you would like to check out our Patreon, it's patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. And I'll give a little bit of our, uh, bit of a surprise to our patrons before the end of the year. They will receive a multi hour collection of outtakes. Oh, my. From the show. Yes. Wow. I'm talking Damn. like two plus hours of just random goofiness that we do both before and after nice. our episode. I have um, edited them into a one long uh, audio file, and they are going to get it just because they That's are awesome. nice enough to be and, and giving enough to be our patrons. So I that that's a perk in addition to the Slack channel, the care packages, the uh, daily images, the, the advent calendar videos, the unboxing videos, the, the uh, previews videos that we do. It's a ton of stuff. So if you would like to uh, get in on that, as I said, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. And always remember, you can't go home without saying say goodnight 
Instead of rush, I'd like to do some cheap trick on the glass, but I don't know if it's... Uh-huh. Little bunny Carlos there. Yeah, it doesn't translate well. The, the, the rush is better. David. Huh. Good luck with that. Good night. He pulls his watch out when we do this. I know well, it. I, I don't have I, anything to tap. I know so, he's, I mean, ta- he's looking. Just... And then he go and he vamps for whatever until that second hand gets oh, to the just, pumpkin eater. Yeah, really. Yeah, I'm just yeah. gonna sit here and I'm watching the clock. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, let me whip out the stoplight and David. Right. See, you did it. Don't lie. Yep. We got him I down. I don't have a stopwatch. Yep. Save save draft. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, people. We had a. Yep. Huh? Chap, yep, it's always on our yeah. tongue. And I guess Merry New Year, right? I mean... Yeah, we might as well. That's going to happen, yeah. I mean... Um, I, I thought for sure that we would do the the 10-year wrap-up of the best comics of the decade, but it seems like both of you have not compiled the list to date. No, I, I do. See I, it's just a question of, of when we're going to do it. I mean, I'm I'm down for that. It's just I don't know that we have time before the end of the calendar year to do it, though. Well, we should... We, should make time really because it's not going to matter very much in 2020 why not because will still be around that's still, still relevant comics of the decade oh it's a new decade start of a new decade why well, would you, you do it after the decade ends because that's that it, it's like people who do you know oh these are the people who died in 2019 and they do it at in the beginning of december god yeah. it, it pisses me off about jerry orbach he died in december towards the end of the year he'd already like like Sucks to be you, Jerry. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> don't put him in the corner. But it's like, I'm like, that, that, that always stuck in my cry. And I'm like, I'm like, don't do best of that year in the middle of December. You wait till you don't know what's going to happen those last couple of weeks. Well, people, I guess it's been decided that you're going to see the best comics and graphic novels of the decade in January. Favorites. Favorites, not best. Our favorites, which we consider the best. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we always go out of our way with the classicers to say it's our favorites, not necessarily yes. the best, because we haven't read everything. And well, can you can you make a, a list and we can do it like first episode of twenty nine, twenty twenty? Yeah, sure. You want to? Um, well, that would be. So, why don't we say that uh, we we can we do both? Can we do Doomsday Clock and that, or are we going to make that a theme episode? I think we could do both, right? We go shit. We go like we do both, right? Two, three hours. Why not? Now, now do we parameters? Are we gonna like free, free, free flow here? Are we doing a top ten? Are we doing like however you feel like doing, like by category? How you want to do it? Hmm. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, did I tell you how many I have so far? No, I'm sure it's innumerable though. Um. So far, I have one. Well. Two or three, depending. I think that the the numbers two and three are basically the same book, but I'll I'll, I'll number them individually. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I have thirteen, and I'm not done yet. So I don't know. I mean, you could we could just go on forever, or we can set a limit. I have thirteen. You want to make it? 15? You want to make it 10? I don't know. I can cut it down. I haven't finished. Like, I've got some raw notes, but I haven't really thought about framing it. Why don't we, why don't we say top 20 is the max? You, you don't have to do 20, but. Okay. Because I, I, I don't know. I could have 
I could have 25. I need to get down to 20. I could have 15. I'm not sure. Well, Dap likes boundaries. Let's let's set let's say top 20. Then. <laughs> He does. See, he's giggling, but he does. It shouldn't like, be hard for us to come up with our, our top twenty. Of, of no, I don't think so at all. And for everybody listening, because I know people like to to wonder whether or not it begins or ends with a zero. What is the decade consist of? We're talking about twenty ten through twenty nineteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And which is essentially a retrospective on the show in many ways. Sure. So. Yep. And and really, I it, I mean, when we say comics, it, I I was thinking it would be some combination of series and or graphic novels. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Because I mean, there are probably runs of ongoing series that we would choose that, like, like for I I don't even know if Batman's going to make my list, but like for example, like one might put Tom's Batman run on there, but not Batman for the whole decade. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Again, I've not decided if that's going to happen for me. I'm just saying, like, whereas, like, if you're going to consider something like, you know, uh, Deadly Class, that's just, like, by one creator, two, you know, by one creative team. So, like, I don't know that I would put, like, issues 21 through 30 on it. I would just put the whole series. No, I got you. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so we should have everyone else... uh, if you all have thoughts, share them with us. Uh, you know, feel free. Post your thoughts as to what you think the best comics or favorite comics of the decade were. Start making your list now, people. Check it twice. Yeah, and we'll be back soon. But not at the expense of the 11 Oscars, though. No, of course not. So, we all hope, I'm going to put words in my, my people's mouth, and we all hope that you have a very happy, healthy, and most importantly, safe New Year's Eve. Yes. If yes. you're going anywhere, make sure that if you're going to consume, you got somebody backing you up on the way home. Yep, because, Ubers, Lyfts. Yeah, we don't want drivers. we don't want to lose anybody. Life is yeah. hard enough as it is. So take care of yourselves because we want you back here in the beginning of the year and the rest of the year. We want you here forever, basically. So don't screw it up. You're not Superman. You're not going to make it home okay if you're imbibed under the influence. Just, just. Do the right thing and get a freaking ride home. Because we love you. That's all. Well said. Yeah. So you do a part. I, yeah. Say goodnight. Lady y'all. Peace and love, everybody.